catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Tony Dunn and not to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst. Panthers news and opinions. Only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. Come on, take a seat, Panther fans. It's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. Tonight we've got an interesting show for sure because there's real news in Panther Nation. Can Thomas Brown save this Panthers offense news broke yesterday morning that Frank Reich had informed Thomas Brown. He would now be taking over full play calling responsibilities going forward after an O and six start. And one of the problems with this O and six start was a lackluster offense with no weapons that people, well, everybody's going to say zero weapons, zero weapons, zero weapons. And a Bryce young who has not performed at the level of maybe some of the other rookies, particularly C.J. Stroud, is doing in Houston. And the question is, is that schematic? Is Has Frank Reich been uh, impeding Bryce Young's development? Is he a dinosaur when we need a revolutionary, when we need progress? We're going to find that out as Thomas Brown takes over as offensive coordinator. We've got that. We've got Ricky Reigns from Cat Crave tonight joining us at 930. We've got the prize picks. We've got the cat calls. But I've also got my favorite homies, my wheel man, Cody Lashney. How you doing, my friend? Listen, man, I'm doing wonderful. There is nowhere I'd rather be on a Tuesday night than sitting here with my boys talking Panther football. Look, Thomas Brown is the brand new offensive coordinator. Most of Panther Nation has been calling for this. Let's be real. Since the preseason, this has been on the tips of people's tongues. Now we're finally going to see what it's all about. If Thomas Brown is worthy of that Sean McVay offensive uh, lineage that he comes from. And we're all excited to see it, man. And uh, whether or not we need to pump the brakes on our expectations for just what is possible with this offense going forward. But, Tony, you know we're going to do this. With the best damn Panther fans in all of YouTube, it's our guy Drew, CJA, David Screws, Blame for Jesus, Jorge Marcelo, KG73s, King Jermaine Shepard, Kristen Ladane, Michael Johnson, this fucking guy, Muscles Marinara Paisan. What's up? The real C3AP, 
Tim Estes, and that boy, White Chocolate Express. So, Tony Don, it's Tuesday night. Ain't nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. The number's 252-228-5098. That's 252-228-5098. We'd like to get your thoughts on Thomas Brown taking over as play call and how will this affect the Carolina Panthers and their trajectory for the rest of the season? Will it be enough to save the the careers or I guess the the jobs of these guys in the long run? Greg, I tell you this, that room, your superhero room looks better and better each and every week, man. Who do you have design that design that background for you? Oh man, it's just me, dude. I, I I'm just putting things up. I'm using J Tannel. I have a whole wall of uh, get to actually expand the view out. Is the old thing. I have a whole wall of um comics that I'm putting up. Uh, you know, I I just I have too much stuff. This whole wall right here, you can't see where I'm pointing at. Where the Batman sign is. Look, he's look at He's got a digital comics. printer printing stuff. What are you making in the background? <laughs> I'm making a lightsaber. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I got, I got one piece of it printed earlier today. Uh, it's working pretty good. So things are going well, man. Uh, yeah, but no, I just kind of been putting things up that I, uh, that I like, I was getting kind of tired of whenever I had my view of seeing just rebel over my head and not seeing like my favorite Disney princess on the wall. Okay. So I had to bring her down a little bit. So everybody can see my favorite Disney. Looking prince. good, looking good, yeah, Greg. Hopefully, uh, the Panthers' offense or the Panthers in general will look good, like uh, your background. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. I don't know. Look, I don't know if changing the coordinator or changing the plays, no matter how much better Thomas Brown might be, is going to change the offense that much because I don't necessarily think it's that much on scheme. I think it does have a lot to do with scheme and play calling, but I just it's think a we're fact. Not that yeah. I think, you know, I, yeah. I think we're not talented. So I don't think that I don't think you can change that much with play calling, but maybe we'll see some improvement. We'll see. I do think uh, I think if anybody thinks that it's just one thing in Carolina, that's a problem, then they're probably oversimplifying it. CK uh, this, you know, we got to meet Thomas Brown going forward and, and he comes from the McVeigh tree. Do you think, uh, and, and without, well, how are you doing CK? Welcome. Oh, you know, listen, it's uh it's another day of being a Panthers fan, and, and we can be excited because we don't have to watch the Panthers play this week. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and you know, I think we – it's an interesting thing to have this happen uh, at this point in time. Um, and I don't blame the decision to do this at this point in time because the game, you know, obviously hasn't been working out very well that they've been playing up to this point. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm welcoming the change. I – I, I'm right there with you guys. I don't know that this is going to make things any better. Um, I guess what is better, right, is 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 better just looking at continued. I mean, look, is look if the offense gets better, we're moving the ball a little bit more. Bryce Young looks more comfortable. Um, you know, we see some we see some ways of getting him maybe in space and throwing the ball downfield and saying maybe the better makes us feel better. I don't know if better necessarily translates into reeling off seven wins. Right. Well, you know, I, mean, I, I mean, he can't fix the defense I mean, at this point. Like, there's not much that that's going to benefit this team to to reel off that many wins anyway. You know, it's it's a sad truth that we have to realize at this point in time is, I mean, we're not really fighting for anything. Um, you know, I know we're not mathematically removed from contention. Only three here, games but, back in the division. <laughs> Dude, Weird. like three games and having lost uh, <laughs> right, to every to two of those division rivals already. 
How crazy is that? Three games back, and we're the highest scoring t- point. I, th- I think I saw this. Yeah, we have we have the most points scored of any team in the NFC South, and I think we're like number twelve or thirteen total in all the NFL. I'm yeah. not, what is our defense compared to the other defenses? Oh though? no, wait, that's going to be in the show tonight. We need to have yeah. a, a conversation about our personnel and about Zero Vero. Because uh, let's just say right now we're not looking too good. Well, and that's uh, what you got to ask yourself with Thomas Brown, too, is like, are you going to like, OK, maybe you'll score an extra touchdown a game because we scored, what, 17 to 21 points almost every game. Maybe you'll score an extra touchdown a game. But are you still going to lose by 14? Or maybe I mean, you win by 14. So, now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's yeah. the thing. If you could change it, we win by 14. It's different. But I don't think we have the offensive personnel, no matter who's coaching to do that. So we'll see. Uh, don't forget. Well, look, I guess the central question we'll be asking is, can Thomas Brown clean up this offense? And I got to tell you, if you want to clean things up, my advice to you is to use Manscaped. Manscaped.com, promo code Panthers, gets you 20% off your first order plus free shipping. That is one of our sponsors for the C3 Panthers podcast. Go to Manscaped.com and for the number one for all your men's grooming needs from face to balls. They got you covered from the beard, uh, from the beard hedger to the lawnmower 4.0 to the ball deodorant. These products, um, you know, are, are proven. They are proven to keep you uh, fresh and clean. Look at that. Look at Greg's beard. It's fantastic. Yeah, right, right Manscaped.com promo code Panthers 20% off. Help us continue to grow by supporting our sponsors. I particularly like the, toiletry bag that all the stuff comes in uh because then i look cool when i'm packing my luggage and my wife has all of her whatever billion dollars worth of crap she's bought off of amazon to to organize her stuff and then she's like well where's your stuff at i'm like it's right there it's on the counter (laughs) instead i go hey look at this i look cool like you i look masculine but also organized and then I get to when we're out traveling and my balls get sweaty, you put this, the crop refresher on, all of a sudden your balls are delicious again. There you go. Manscaped.com. Yeah, manscaped.com. Promo code Panthers, 20% off your first order plus free shipping. Help us continue to lock down sponsors in the future by supporting them and supporting us. You can support the show by smashing the thumbs up button, subscribing the podcast calling in at 252-228-5098 and don't forget we got some cool merchandise on the c3 on carolina cat cat carolina cat chronicles.com including this og shirt that i wear almost every, i wonder if people think i only got one shirt <laughs> as i wear this like 98 percent of the time uh go get your you make me fucking sick shut the hell up shut the hell up for panther pickle and uh your c3 <clears throat> A coffee mug is the way to go. You're going to need your coffee to stay awake for the rest of the season. Nah, things are going to get better. I'm excited. Now start the show with this question. Did Thomas Brown just get Frank Ray fired? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, fired might be a strong word, but um, I mean, this is what he decided to do. He wanted Thomas Brown to, uh, start somewhere around the middle of the season. And you know, it's weird, Tony, because he really did hint at this earlier. Even in his introductory press conference, he made it a point that somewhere along the line, 
he would end up surrendering play calling to Thomas Brown. And he even talked about how it would be a hard process for him to undergo, that he wants to be able to call plays. He doesn't necessarily want to give that up. Uh, But here it is, and here we are. It is official that now uh, Frank Reich has informed players today that he has decided to hand over the play calling duties to offensive coordinator Thomas Brown. Brown, who is 37, everybody knows he was highly regarded, came from that Sean Van coaching tree. He was the tight ends coach for the Los Angeles Rams. Sean McVay did not want to lose him, but he had to because we were offering that job promotion. Like I said before, Panther fans have been craving this forever. We felt that the play calling has been bland ever since the preseason, and now we have the opportunity to see how it's going to look different under Thomas Brown. What I'll say to everyone else is you have to pump the brakes a little bit. I would say don't let your expectations get too far away from you. It's not as though Thomas Brown is going to be able to snap his fingers and magically produce another wide receiver that's going to be able to make more than uh, a yard or two of separation. So I don't know. I'm definitely hopeful. And yeah, if, uh, if, if he is able to turn this offense around in a meaningful way, we really need to have some conversations about who should be in charge of this entire coaching staff. Yeah, the reason I, I the reason I ask it that way is, um, what if it goes well? Frank Reich looks like the problem, right? right? Man, if it goes like if all of a sudden this offense is noticeably improved, right? And you hear him speak in ways, look, all the youngest. There's a reason all the young people want him. Thomas Brown as he speaks in the ways that um, sound innovative and modern and smart motion, like, you know, talking about how to use motion to uh, dictate defenses, use person. Like he uses, he says these things that like you expect Sean McVay to say, or, or behind closed doors, at least he's very, but just a wonderful, uh, he's really just, Dude, what he's, ar- he's already so much better at the podium than Frank Frank has ever been. In the <laughs> I know, I know. It's like so the the reason. So if this inc- if this gets if this gets more than just incrementally better, but if it looks like man, uh, a breath of fresh air and something that is sustainable, and man, this should have been the case all the way. Then Frank looks like the dinosaur who was in the way. <laughs> if we do if the Panthers continue to struggle and go zero and seventeen or whatever the heck they're gonna go right, or say they only win three or four games, there's a good chance all these guys are fired anyway, right? Yeah. So I mean, it's like uh, to me, is success uh, at what point? What level of success is just gonna end up with this? Is you know what Thomas Brown did enough to where it freed up Frank Wright to just focus on being the head coach. We finally got our structure together and next year is our year and we're going to roll with this. To me, that seems like the longest odds of what would happen rather than the other ways. Does that make sense? Yeah. We're also in the midst of this potential vicious cycle where let's just say hypothetically Thomas Brown does a really good job 
and let's say he gets some opportunities to to be called up to be a head coach somewhere else. I don't want to undergo this merry-go-round of uh, every year a brand new offensive coordinator for Bryce Young. I mean, we're, there's potential that at the start of next year, Bryce could be on his third offensive coordinator. And I don't know if that's something that, that, that we want. I feel like the whole reason that we went out and got an offensive-minded head coach was to be able to pair that play caller with your quarterback for the foreseeable future. Um, so it would be really devastating for Thomas Brown to be one and done and out the door. And that's even if he's able to turn this around. I'm cautioning everyone to pump the brakes a little bit because, again, it's the same offensive roster that Frank Reich has had to deal with since uh, since week one. I can yeah. see things getting better, particularly from game management. Hopefully, Frank. I felt like Frank had just so much going on and he didn't want to admit it. Uh, or maybe he did admit it. So um, look, why don't we hear from Thomas Brown on sure. how he heard the news of Frank Reich? Because this really, I guess, behind the scenes, the real another question we should probably ask is this, like you alluded to, is that Frank said that this was going to be part of the natural progression. But then he also didn't want to do it early on. Um, yeah. And it only happened after it happened with this zero and six start, so if they started out six and zero, do you think he was going to be giving up the plays, or if they were three and th- right? Wh- mm. And then it yeah. also it did happen at six thirty in the morning on Monday, so I guess he didn't have time to meet with Tepper. But then was this Tepper meddling and forcing his hand, or was he just backed into the corner? Let's hear from Frank Wright or from Thomas Brown about uh, Frank Reich informing him he would be the full-time play caller going forward. Came yesterday morning like normal, and he came in my office around 6.30. And I won't go into the details of how the whole conversation went down, uh, but we kind of talked for, I would say, 20, 25 minutes about the initial transition, kind of what to expect of him, you know, always kind of looking forward to having this opportunity. But also, like you said from day one, um, assuring me to still be heavily involved in my growth, my development, and being a part of what we're doing moving forward, which is huge for me. Tell you one thing, you go to the chat, it's rocking and rolling. And man, my mom has become a football expert down there in the chat as she's she's sitting here saying the Panthers <laughs> need to rebuild. It was a humble move for Frank to do this, and she thinks he did meet with Tepper. Yeah. Wow. Hey, Joanne, uh, she's uh, on it. Hey, she learned a lot from on, the C three Panthers podcast. She's on top of these Carolina Panthers, uh, that Joanne does. All right. So, what'd you think about that? Is why why do you guys think Frank made the decision? Now, does this? Uh, do you think? I don't, I don't know. I think this should. This, I think it should have been like this from the beginning. I'll I think Frank. I think there. Frank Reich should have been the head coach. I think he brought in an offensive coordinator. He should have tutored him and said, "Look, we're maybe easing him in, and so like I'll be monitored and be more heavily involved." But I've been I've been saying this on the podcast now. This is just egg on Frank Reich's face. Yeah. You know, it's like easier to take the play calling away from Thomas Brown than it is to say, hey, I'm the old guy here. Let me hand it to the young guy who makes less money than me. <laughs> uh, I'll let CK and Greg jump in. Greg, you go ahead, man. Uh, you're muted. And confused. Yes, yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm trying to. I've got a bunch of windows open. I'm trying to work these polls in uh, the the chat right now. Actually, I can just 
put it out there. I just did put a chat out or poll out, and I ended it right now. Did Thomas Brown get Frank Wright fired was the question we asked opening this podcast. 43% no, 57% yes. So, <laughs> or excuse me, I had that backwards. 43% yes, 57% no. Sorry. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, look, it's like I was saying before we started the show. I, I don't think that there's a significant difference you're going to see with Thomas Brown. You may see a difference, and he may be a better play caller. Who knows? But I think when you're when you're dealing with subpar talent, the coaching is kind of to a point is irrelevant. Like you can you can coach up subpar talent to a certain extent, and then you're going to you know squeeze all the juice out you can. I don't, I'm not saying that we have already, but I'm not. But you know, maybe we have it. I just. I, I, I get Frank Wright giving up the play calling ability. I just, like I said before the show, I feel like we're not giving Frank Reich a leash long enough. I think this more the blame more goes on Scott Fitter. And I'm kind of getting away from the question here. I'm sorry. But I just feel like Frank Wright needs a longer leash. Uh, we gave Matt Rule. What, beyond a, a year? Beyond yeah, six I games? Mean, look, look, he came into, look, every, every excuse, not every excuse, a lot of excuses we give Bryce Young coming into a new team, in a new organization with new coaches, new, new uh, GM. New, new game plan, everything we can also give to Frank Wright. Along so with do you think he should remain the Panthers? Side. Do you think he should remain the Panthers coach beyond this year? Yes, no matter what oh, happens, wow. I think beyond this year, at least one more year, you should give him. I think the biggest problem is Scott Fitter. Man, he came into a system he didn't build. Yeah, that's I like tough. it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's very like tough it. to come yeah. into a system you didn't build. I'm not saying you can't be successful, but damn, I mean. We all know that he likes the big, tall, strong quarterback, and that's not what he got. And we've heard rumors yeah. that's not what he wanted. So if sure. you're putting this guy, you're kind of pinning him against the wall whenever you blame everything on him. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve any blame because he definitely does. He Greg's definitely opening up the blame. Greg's but, opening up the door to a lot of good conversations here. In fact, yeah. he said how much he's not sure, or both of you are saying, look, is how much different can the offense be? Right. Is the play calling been you know, terrible. And I don't think that is like maybe a breath of fresh air, right? Maybe a, like a young enthusiasm, but let's go to um, Thomas Brown on Sean McVay's influence, because this is the exciting part about this is that an offense that always seems to be cooking with anybody, whether it be Todd Gurley in a running game at one point, Jared Goff to, Right, well, now it's Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, but this is the McVay offense has always been um, at least exciting to the mind of football fans. And I think it goes back to that one football game. I don't know if it was a Thursday night game or a remember when they both when they scored, it was like 58 to 40. Yeah, it was the Rams and the Chiefs. It was a Monday night football game. I think that kind of a lot of this. Um, the uh the kind of lore of that stems from that moment in this case, but that's where people are saying, look, is there there is a this is a philosophical difference though, and the way to prepare, the way to attack defenses, and honestly, Frank Reich may just be old. I hate this, you know. What I mean, you know, like, is you hate to say that because look, is I you don't want to be ageist, but it feels that way, doesn't it? It's like, uh, look, is yeah. there's a lot of coaches doing a lot. Of, look, Ben Johnson, man, that's the guy. 
I wish we would have gotten that. that yeah, he's you, the bell of the ball right now. Yeah. I mean, did you see the Lions? They had a direct snap between Goff's legs. Was that against us? That uh, was against us. Probably. Whenever oh, we're, no. whenever someone is making someone look dumb, it's normal. It always so, is us. So Goff it? is out there doing this. He's out there doing this. And they snapped it through his legs to the running back. I think it was against us, dude. And it was like. How do you even think of that? All right, guys, this is what we're going to do. You're going to go antler, 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 antler. Legs wide open. Boom. We're going to hit them. That's actually fun. Uh, But let's hear about some of that innovation and influence from Sean McVay. Um, Again, that's a a hypothetical for the future to kind of be determined. Uh, But, again, I've had a ton of respect for for Sean McVay. He's one of the best and brightest minds I've ever been a part of. But we are different. So the way we kind of see the game and activate the game will be different as well. But I've definitely learned from him about how you attack defenses using kind of formation variation, formation marriage, motion adjustments. So that kind of continue to be a part of what we do moving forward. I knew that's the language. That's the language that all the Twitter football people and us, I should put us in the that are going to love. You know, it's like it's that motion marriage, matching marriage. Like I'm like, oh my god, this guy. He's speaking football. He's speaking football. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I, I'm not going to tell any Panther fan that they don't have the right to be excited. I mean, dude, we're 0-6. And it's like, at this point, you have to take anything that you can get. A lot of people have felt very bad about Frank Wank's play calling. Um, and, and it hasn't been great. Uh, I, I even think I saw someone in the chat saying that just the, the run plays and just the run up the middle – I mean, it looks like we're back to some old Ron Rivera, Mike Shula style. Hey, BS, Mike Shula you know? was good, dude. Ah, Mike, Mike Shula was good, dude. He was a freaking 2015 offense, man. Um, Mike Shula just had high percentage or low percentage throws as he was play action. And man, if you, if, you know, you're going downfield and they got to connect. But um, the one thing actually about this that is to me, I do think we can see a diff. We we may see a real difference. Um, for Frank Reich, the the dis- I got to say this is I've been frankly stunned, frankly, pun intended, uh, stunned about how poor the whole or how the whole ship has been run so far, or how it's gone. I just I didn't look. I I thought this team was going to be a seven win team. That's what I thought we were really going to be. Kind of in that seven eight nine range nine if we were great seven probably realistically i just didn't think it would look this bad right and i'm kind of stunned by that and what the whole kind of idea about having an offensive minded head coach that is fun in theory to me was developing a plan of attack each week against your opponent to expose their weaknesses to take advantage of what you can do against them right it's kind of doing what bill belichick does on defense Bill Belichick takes away that one thing from you and he makes you beat, he makes you fight left-handed against them. Right. I thought, man, is like having this offensive genius wonder staff to do this, but it looked like we were calling the plays just based on like kind of theory rather than like what the other team is weak at, what we're good at. You know, it didn't really look like it was suited to maximize the most out of, Every even with a team that lack talent and you can manufacture offense, you can't manufacture defense, but you can manufacture offense. 
So I think maybe Thomas Brown gives us that opportunity to have that more focused attack where you're like, look, I mean, what he just said right there was about attacking teams' weaknesses. Yeah. I hope it makes us more multiple as well. Uh, Listen, I know there have been some concerns amongst the fan base uh, with Bryce Young throwing the deep ball. Now, a lot of people put that on wide receivers that we don't necessarily have the deep threats, although there have been some plays that Bryce has missed on some of those deep passes. Um, There is definitely that part of me that is hoping, hoping that Thomas Brown will be more willing to push the ball downfield and, and see what we have in Bryce and let him stretch out that arm a little bit. And, and well, you got to get him outside the pocket. And bootleg, bootleg him out a little, you know, get him out some space so he can see some things downfield. By the way, speaking of Bryce Young, let's go to Thomas Brown on Young as his quarterback. I'm excited for the opportunity to continue to work with him. I mean, like I've said from day one, even in my interview, which, you know, hopefully I'm good to be able to share this, but my, one of my last stops was kind of meeting with Scott and, and Dan and kind of talk about how I saw the roster, but also my evaluation of this, this draft class of quarterbacks. And I told Bryce this yesterday when we had a kind of a sit-down meeting with us one-on-one and just talk about moving forward, my expectations, um, and what he kind of expects from me uh, in his kind of new role as a play caller. But um, I mentioned him as being the number one guy on the board then, just thinking about from the standpoint of what I saw from him on tape, and kind of to continue to grow from there once you had an opportunity to get on the road and meet with them and interview them and obviously watch them kind of throw from a pro day standpoint. But uh, my role from a standpoint of being a coordinator is to elevate all of our players, to put them in the best spot to be successful. It obviously includes Bryce as well. Bryce Young, his QB one. So that's yeah, kind of- and, you know, can I give you my, my, my theory on this, right? Sure. So obviously there have been the multiple, you know, quote unquote conspiracies that David Tepper was the one who wanted Bryce Young and that the coaching staff didn't necessarily. And, you know, word gets out to players. Like, players don't live in a box. They have access to social media. They get to, see all, the, they get to see all the news stories that, that all, the, all the fans do. So part of it to me, which I think is great on behalf of Thomas Brown, is going to Bryce and say, look, man, I don't know what you've heard or what you've been hearing, but you were by far my number one quarterback. And to me, that's a vote of confidence in your Especially publicly and to come out publicly to do it. 100%. It seems, uh, I'm not saying it's not genuine too. I, I'm, I'm certain that Thomas Brown had Bryce's as number one, but the fact that he's able to come out and say that and give him a vote of confidence, I think that's more, giving to Bryce and saying to Bryce, Hey, you know, you're our guy. You're the dude that we believe in. And, uh, we, we want you to, to know that, that we believe in you, uh, going forward. And so, uh, what's he going to say otherwise? Like, do you really go out there expecting him to go and be like, honestly, man, like Bryce, you were top two or three on my board, but I really want to see Jay Stroud or I really want to like, you well, can't go out there and say anything else. This is complete. I, I, I get it. I'm not saying it's not heartfelt, but what else are you going to say? Maybe it was I, intentional I though, as Cody is saying. Whether it is or isn't true, Greg, to be honest, we'll never know. And you're right. If it isn't true, it, he would never come out and say otherwise, but right now that's his quarterback. So if it right. is, or, if it is or isn't true, 
the fact that he's coming out, giving a public vote of confidence to his player, to the world. Uh, I think that that also echoes that people inside the organization have also heard the plethora of rumors now, and it has been made public that potentially the staff didn't want Bryce. So again, it's a vote of, of confidence in the quarterback. Um, we're getting ready to go to a guest here, but I want to make sure we read our Super Chats. First, David Cruz with the $2. Shout out to Cody and the C3 fam. Appreciate you, David. The stats with the $5. Says, actually, if we spend more time running the ball and chewing clock, it would reduce the time their offense has to score points. And our man, Anthony, says, Thomas Brown calling plays was my 21st birthday gift. Shout out to Anthony, man. Happy birthday, brother. Uh, Panther fans, stick around. We've got Ricky Reigns in just one second from Cat Crave. We've got prize picks coming down the line, but I need to remind. Oh, we've got your cat calls at 252-228-5098. But I got to remind you, the C3 Panthers podcast is sponsored by CalderaLab.com. Caldera Lab products are a men's specialized in men's facial care. I tell you this, it's a twice a day skin regimen. Uh, there are one, two, three, four parts that you can do uh, to make sure that you are taking care of yourself, looking good, feeling good. Hopefully, like the Panthers offense will under the leadership of Thomas Brown. In the morning, you wake up one pump from the cleanse. You wash your face with this cleansing product, man. I tell you, this is it helped me get rid of my blackheads. It's I've, I'm an Italian. I've got I come from I'm a part Sicilian. So I got that greasy, that Goomba grease that builds up, man. It helps. It's helped me. But the problem is, is when you got to try to get rid of those natural oils, sometimes your face gets dried out. You got a wonderful lotion that then you follow up this cleansing product with. And man, I tell you right away, your skin feels healthier and fresher from the beginning. It is fighting those wrinkles, fighting the aging process. And bro, you're going to be aging throughout this season. Caldera Lab products are for you if you want to fight the effects of being a Panther fan wearing on your face. I'm telling you, I've been using this product now for two months. I can't speak enough about it. I told you this in the last in the last show. I would not uh, speak beyond just the read if I didn't truly enjoy and like the product. You put the nighttime serum on. You put the eye under eye product on, and you're going to fight the Feel the fight, fight the fate of being a Panther fan by using Caldera Lab products. Go to calderalab.com slash C3. You get 20% off your order. Make sure you use that promo code or slash C3. Calderalab.com slash C3 gets you that 20% off. You're going to want it because anything good in life costs a little loot. So go help us. You know what, guys? Treat yourself. Treat yourself this November, October, November coming up, maybe. Buy some, buy it for yourself for Christmas. Ladies, if you're listening, help your men look younger, fresher, like the Panthers hopefully will under Thomas Brown. CalderaLab.com slash C3. All right, let's welcome in Ricky Reigns from CatCrave.com, contributor there, and really fan favorite among the Panther of the C3 Panthers podcast. Last time you came on the show, tons and tons of good feedback. Welcome back uh, to the show, Ricky Reigns. How you doing? Good, man. Hey, thanks for having me back. You know, 
I didn't have it on my bingo card to start the night that I was going to end up wanting a brand new like skin regiment after listening <laughs> to the show. Um, but you sold the hell out of that, man. I'm in Caldera. Give me a call. Let's let's do something, man. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. I like it. We're, we're, man. Hey, it's like we could sell. I could sell a lot of things on this show. I'm not a salesman, but when it comes to this podcast, I love to talk. So here we go. I mean, look, I, I think you're a good enough salesman that if this doesn't work out, you can get a job as a Nebraska football head coach. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, 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 uh, hey. Do I, I? I feel guilty about this, Ricky. Is that yeah. I saw? Um, there's two speeches floating around recently from my uh, from Matt Rule, and yeah. I don't hate them. Yeah, me neither. It doesn't that suck because like yeah. I really wanted to hate him. Like when I saw it, like when I saw his face in the still frame of the thumbnail. Yeah. I was like, oh man, I can't wait to hate this. Like, I can't wait to come up with like, some sort of. We're clip. gonna fight. We're yeah. gonna fight. I'm like, God. He said, if you, if you die, you die, and I'm just like, yeah. shit. This might be the first time that I've ever actually bought into Matt Rule, and he's not even doing anything that involves me. But yeah, I will maybe say it's just this. nice because we're from a distance, so we can look yeah. at it that it doesn't actually affect us when they come out and lay an egg, anyways. I don't like to say nice things about Matt Rule, but hey, if you want to go back and watch that speech and find a flaw in it. Uh, in the beginning, he's given and he's got his hand on his hip like an old lady. So that's the one thing I could yeah. point to. All right. Like, so uh, here's my little teapot stance. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So, Ricky, we just learned that Thomas Brown would be taking over the play call for the Carolina Panthers. What do you think right. about this? Yeah. Look, I think that at some point we had to look at this situation with the offense and the way that it's got out to this slow start recognizing that this was always the plan of getting better throughout the year. That's, that's the first part, right? Like we were never supposed to start as good as we were going to be with this roster and this team this season. The problem is that we started way worse than I think anyone anticipated us. That's doing. exactly right. Um, but the change is a necessary thing. And, and I know that Frank alluded to it earlier in the season, even before the season started, saying, you know, that at some point they would reassess and see if that was a necessary thing. I think it just became very apparent that Frank either is incapable or did not want to adjust the majority of what he liked to do on offense. Um, but I think that there were so many flashes from Bryce Young and even from the running game to an extent that they knew that they had to make a change if they wanted to see if these pieces in place were going to be able to be developed and work. So what they're doing right now is a necessary thing for the long term as well as the immediate future. And it's the best time to do it because of the extra time in between for added preparation and implementing new things. You know what I mean? Gives them a little bit more time to get comfortable before they get back out there in action. Um, how much different do you think it'll be? Man, that's really tough to say. And because, you know, the only thing that we really have to go off of as far as Thomas Brown and his coordinating abilities is his time with the Miami Hurricanes in 2016, 2018. That's the only time that he's actually been an offensive coordinator. He was working with the likes of guys like Brad Kaya and Malik Rogier. Really difficult to translate what he's calling for those guys in the NFL with a guy like Bryce Young and with the talent and roster that he has around him right now in Carolina. I think that the biggest difference that we're going to see is in the sequencing and hopefully in the operations and the timing aspect of this offense. I, I still think that the playbook, man, and I've been preaching this for a few weeks now when everyone has been saying we've got to make this switch. Look, I like the idea of the switch. I was on board with that. The playbook is still a collaborative piece that already exists. 
this was made of Frank Reich's schemes and tendencies and concepts and Thomas Brown's input and Park Fraser, right? That the, the playbook still exists. It's just there may be areas that were underutilized. I think that a lot of the situational calls, like third downs, third and longs, third and shorts, were really kind of head scratchers for me for the most part to start this season. That's where I look to see a little bit of a difference. I do look to see more motion and getting Bryce out of the pocket a little bit. The statuesque stuff of him standing in there and trying to get six yards deep in the pocket and, and letting a deep route develop. You got to know that we don't have that right now with the interior of this offensive line. Austin Corbett comes back healthy. Maybe that helps a lot. And maybe you can deploy some of those concepts a little bit more comfortably. But as of right now, man, there were no adjustments. I expect Thomas to make adjustments and cater this offense more to what we have currently and what Bryce Young is better at. Amen. And uh, Ricky, one, thanks for being on the show again tonight. You've become a very coveted member of Panthers Twitter. So congratulations on, on that as well. Um, <laughs> hey, coming, uh, coming from one of the godfathers of Panthers Twitter. I appreciate <laughs> oh, it, man. Dude, oh, man, uh, I appreciate it, man. But no, I wanted uh, to kind of get your opinion on this. Uh, mm -hmm. Frank Reich, even in his introductory press conference, said that he envisioned a time when he would hand off the play calling. Granted, yeah. this is before the season even started. So it seems as though it's been something that's been on his mind for a while. There's also been a lot of speculation that David Tepper might have his hands all over everything can, you know, around this organization from a, from a decision-making standpoint. Do yeah. you feel that this was a decision that was made 100% by Frank Reich himself, like he said he was going to do, or is this coming from an owner whose team is 0-6 and he did not expect him to be that at that juncture, or at this juncture in the season? Yeah, I so I, that's kind of like a two-part situation for me, right? Because I don't, I don't buy into completely the idea that this. Frank Reich wanted C.J. Stroud. He didn't want Bryce Young. I don't, I don't buy that, first of all. I think that what we were told was legitimate, that they came to a consensus and that they had this conversation and that Bryce Young was the guy, right? Where I think it's really obvious, though, is that Bryce Young doesn't fit the prototypical Frank Reich quarterback mold that he's used in the past and what he may like for his system even, which I don't think that's that bad of a thing, just as like a little like cliff note here. His prototypical guys are like Nick Foles and Carson Wentz, right? So, like, if we don't end up with Nick Foles and Carson Wentz, I'm perfectly okay with that. <laughs> I'm going to take my chance with Bryce Young. As far as this move being 100% his, the only reason that it throws me off. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information connect with a wealth advisor today at corient.com that's c-o-r-i-e-n-t.com corient.com
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The tiniest bit is because he said it was 100% his. I don't think anybody would have asked him that and been like, are you sure that this was you that did that and it wasn't pressure from outside? Him saying that almost seemed like, yeah. man, let me get ahead of this right now and try to stop those questions. But what Frank Reich has probably failed in just as much as anything as a head coach so far in his Panthers tenure is speaking at the podium. The The dude is so honest and genuine. It's such a nice guy. Like I really, I would love to like sit down and have like a nice like, turkey and mashed potato dinner with the guy because he just seems like he would be a lot of fun in that situation but as far as being candid and giving the answers that he should give he's not great at it man so when he said that it was 100 percent his decision it read a little bit like yeah i i, I just i want to take this one for the team i want it to be my decision even though maybe it's not i just don't think that it matters whether it was 100 percent him or not the move is made it's the right move. Whoever pushed the button, whether it was Frank or, or Tepper, it's the right button to push. So, I mean, I'm happy with the result one think, way or another. I do think they probably kind of pushed it together in a way. Like, sure, is maybe. that Tepper probably wanted, you know, I mean, I'm sure he ran it by Tepper or some, or Tepper said something to him in a way. But I think Frank Reich, I think more of the question is not did Tepper make him do this, is did Frank Reich do this because he's just, back against the wall at this point and you it know seems like that, it, right yeah because i know that they said look we're going to try to get we're going to get thomas brown involved and we're going to ease him in but if this team again if we were five and one does does frank Wright go this is the time to give it over to thomas right. brown i felt right. like this is that this was uh this is a despair look is that maybe it's the bye week maybe they were tar- targeting the bye week the entire time I, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel that way it feels like this is like we ha- we got to do something something has to be done uh because this is a disaster and Ricky I just think that from the beginning I think it just would have been wiser if Frank came in and had Thomas Brown as the play caller from the beginning Mm-hmm. And that way, if it was too much for him or a little bit, they could have eased him out. Frank could have like helped mentor him in. Yeah. To me, this makes Frank look inconsequential. Yeah. Yeah. And and so there's a good way of wording it because you said you're not sure that it was always the plan for the bye week, right? But there was this built-in security net of the bye week because of the added preparation that when they looked at it and they looked at that schedule, they could sit there and say, if shit hits a fan, if it all goes bad, and we are really, really bad out of the gate here, we've got a, an early buy that we can make some adjustments. The fans will be asking for it. They know 
look, man, it, it's part of the game. I'm not saying that fans make any decisions. We don't like everything that we say is is just water cooler talk amongst ourselves, right? But they hear it. It's not it's not something that goes silently. I mean, you got to like, give an offering sometimes. You have to, man. And like part of this business is the business aspect. And if you have unhappy fans and they're not filling seats, they're not buying merchandise, and they're all just negative all the time. You have to do something to appease that and change that, right? So I think that they looked at that schedule and knew that if everything went as badly as it could, they've got a built-in time frame right there that they can say, well, let's make an adjustment. And that's that's the question that you asked earlier and the question that I'm not 100% sure of how much of a change is it. I just think that if there's any buy-in from the players, that might be enough to even run this like 85% of the same stuff on the field with a different energy and different approach from the players, yeah. man. Cause like different there was timing, a, just maybe timing. timing. Just everything is a little bit different coming from a different voice with different energy. I, I just think it's a necessary move, man. Yeah. Greg, go ahead, buddy. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Ricky, man, it's Greg. I got a, a quick okay. question for you. You know, we're talking about um, uh, th- this being the right choice, putting Thomas Brown and, and his uh, offense coordinator very well may yeah. be. Uh, my only issue is, like, I believe the problem with the Carolina Panthers is more on player talent than it is on mm-hmm. coaching. I'm not absolving coaching by any means, and it does take sure. a healthy portion of this blame. So when we talk about Thomas Brown being better, I'm wondering, is it is it scoring one more touchdown and losing by 14 points instead of 21? Yeah. Like, are we considering that better? And furthermore, we have – or people are talking about fears of, well, Thomas Brown's going to come in and do well as an offensive coordinator. He's going to get hired as a head coach next year. And – Bryce will have three of offense coordinators. Is there anything Thomas Brown can do with this team, you think, that would put him in a position for somebody to want to hire him as head coach next year? Because I don't think there is. Next year would be really quick, I think, after starting off the way that this team has. Because just because he's not a play caller doesn't mean that he doesn't have his fingerprints and his involvement on this team already, right? right. Because they develop this playbook. There, it's still They have used the word collaborative so much during the season so far it, it's not like a a secret that they are doing things together does frank reich have final say sure but they're both involved so him getting a head coach involved based off of this year already next season i do think that's probably a little bit preemptive and a little bit early to expect that to happen now look if he goes 11 and 0 <laughs> out of the bye here and rallies his team for the playoffs. Yeah, head coach. Be, yeah, then you're talking he'll about be a head different. coach, but he'll be, the <laughs> he'll be the Panthers head yeah. coach at that point. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's that's a no-brainer. And I, I think that too, that if he was was approached, if let's say that he wins six out of the next eleven, right? And they go six and five out of the bye. If he does get some interviews, I think that the Panthers will have some internal discussions to say, well, how long is Frank planning on being here anyways? Right. Like, is is he the guy that we were going to have for two or three years? And then we were hoping to elevate Thomas into that position. And if Thomas is already showing enough success, let's go with that. Um, The first part of the question, though, that you asked me was the one that I'm I'm really interested in talking about, too, is the personnel versus the coaching. Right. The talent level against how much is the coaching responsible? The talent level that we have. Is bottom six seven in the nfl across the board if you really want to look at it um we've got some names that should be performing better than they are and we talk about like offensive linemen icky is one of those that we talk about with that defensively i mean look Derek brown's a brian Derek brown and brian burns those are our stars on defense and they're not getting a ton of help and the injuries around them have really hurt but outside of the big name guys 
we've got guys that would be struggling to make rosters, let alone starting, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, the personnel honestly just doesn't fit the schemes that they've run so far either. Now, I know that the last time I was here, we all talked a lot about the Marquand McCall release. And there was a lot of people really downplaying all of that, saying that it wasn't a big situation. It wasn't so much about Marquand, the player, although I'm a huge Marquand fan and advocate and believe that he was the right player for us. It was about that position and what it was, what it brought to the defensive scheme for a zero Evero, freeing up those linebackers with the offensive lineman trying to get to that second level, climb up and put hands on Shaq and Frankie and these other guys. Kamu Gruje Hill, now that he's in there, that's a small dude, man. Like he's he's a good ball player and he's great in coverage, but he's a slight guy. When these offensive linemen don't have any impediment getting to that second level and they can get their hands on him, he's out of the picture. Yeah. So we just we've got things personnel-wise that don't fit the scheme. So it's not just talent. It's what are we trying to force these square pegs to do with this big round hole, right? Mm-hmm. And that just hasn't worked out a whole as much as they thought it was going to. I think that they banked a lot on this coaching staff working some magic, and I just think they over oversold that a bit. Do you think? Uh, do you think the changes are done, or uh, with just Thomas Brown going to play calling, or do you think we see? Um, because we continue to look at this roster. If it's a bottom six, mm-hmm. I mean, we've been rebuilding this roster now for six, what, five years now, it feels like. Yeah. yeah. Um, is Scott Fitter, is this is there a move with the GM uh, at this point or in the near future? Are we done hearing? Are there any more adjustments you see coming? I, It's all speculation, right? And it's all just opinion, obviously. But I would be pretty surprised if Scott Fitterer made it into next offseason. If he was responsible for personnel moves going into the next offseason, I would be pretty surprised. When I would you would... do it? We've been, because we've talked about this, and CK brings this up, yeah. is that CK says, like, look, is this is the most complicated actual change in an yeah. organization. It's like, not only is you're getting it right, but how do you pull the trigger at the right exact time Yep. Um, to get the right guy in there and give him an opportunity to succeed short, sooner than later. So yep. do you pull the trigger sooner or later on this? Man, that's it's, it's really difficult um, to try to put a finger on that one because, A, the, the, the biggest problem that I have with getting rid of Scott Fitterer has nothing to do with Fitterer, to be completely honest. It has to do with what the best process is when you get rid of a GM. Typically, it's a clean house. It's an it's a new slate, blank slate. You do everything all in one so that your new GM is able to bring in the guys that he wants to implement the things that he wants and that he believes makes a successful football team and a, and a successful football franchise. Because we're not just talking about on the field. We're talking about the money aspect of it. We're talking about everything else. Like that is a it's a it's a different job than coach, where coach is responsible for the things on the field. GM is responsible for the coaches being there. So it's very intricate that it's hard for me to say that he should be gone in season because then that leaves you with who is the acting interim GM in this front office right now, if you were to to do that, because you're going to have moves that have to be made. There are negotiations that are happening throughout the season. There are ideas for the future that are happening throughout the season, right? Because you're doing the newer guy. You wouldn't. You don't want to saddle the new guy with a bunch of leftovers that Scott Fitter negotiated on the back end of his tenure. Sure, and I don't. I don't think that you have to sign contracts. I don't think that you have to make moves. But the evaluation process and and building and planning 
all has to continue whether Scott is there or not. And the pieces that are in-house right now are the pieces that you have to do that internal evaluation about. So, no, you're not going to offer extensions with Scott Fitterer right now before the end of the year. I don't think that that's what's going to happen. But you also aren't going to hire your new GM in season. You're, you know what I mean? Like, you have to go through the hiring process. There are guys that are in positions right now for NFL teams that you can't yeah. Yeah, you can't tamper, so maybe wait to the back third of the season. I think you, know? you have to kind of see what other teams are doing and what you like so far as the season goes on. Maybe there are a couple guys you got your eyes on, and you're like, look, I really like what this guy did early. I like what he did the last two years. Let's see how he finishes this year out. And if it continues in the trajectory that they like, then maybe they go ahead and they start putting out those behind-the-scenes feelers of just like, hey, look, we're going to go ahead, and I think that Scott's going to be relieved of his duties at the end of the season. There are a couple of names that are pretty high up on the Panthers list. You could you could put that out there to insiders that get out on Twitter, that get out all over NFL Network, and it's 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 smoke where there's no tampering, there's no illegal activity going on, but it puts that out into the universe where that person hears their name connected to that job and that opening, and they start envisioning it, right? And maybe that's what you do, but you have to be really tactful at the timing of doing something like that. Yeah. Definitely. And when talking about Thomas Brown and what he might potentially be able to do for us, uh, you know, it we brought up how he came from the Sean McVay tree. And, you know, Sean McVay is like the hot offensive name in the yeah. NFL and, and has been for a long time. And I think that's, um, you know, everybody wants that next bright offensive mind um, mm-hmm. and, and what exactly that might be able to do for us. Um, if we have that type of guy, uh, I want to yeah. play this last clip of Thomas Brown because he answered a question uh, about what this might mean for his career going forward. And then I'll ask you a question based off of this. Great opportunity, obviously, but you're also with the 0-6 team for an offense that struggled, or a quarterback that struggled. And do you feel like you're taking any risk now? I mean, if they say things don't go well these next four, five, six, uh, the last – you know, 11 games as far as your future is in the NFL? I've never lived that way. So, I mean, there's no reward without the risk. That kind of comes with this profession. And uh, I've been, like I said, built and raised that way because I was raised by fighters. My parents are both fighters. So I don't back down from anything, anybody. Uh, so I think we have an opportunity to, one, it's not a one-man show by myself anyway, but to collaborate with the rest of the staff and take it head on has always been my mentality. And, uh, I mean, the older I get, and I'm still, I, I would guess, consider myself to be relatively young, uh, but the you know older I get, you know I think about you know fear and faith both only exist in the future, and I think it's easy to be able to lean into the fears of what if, what could go wrong. But also I kind of have the mindset of uh, the kind of proactive approach about um, having faith in our process and myself, who I've been built to be, but more importantly, who's around me. Fear and faith are both in the future. They haven't happened yet. So. Teachers. Oh yeah. So I mean, my father was a pastor, and it's now a bishop in the CME church. But he he was over uh, a school in Atlanta. That kind of you know taught passed out to become into, into that profession. So I mean, listen, the the man doesn't lack for confidence, and I think that's why a lot of people are excited about what he could bring to this offense right now. But yeah. do you what do you think <clears throat> Thomas Brown has an opportunity to actually be able to show in his time as the play caller? Because again, I, I kind of opened up tonight's show saying you know. I don't believe Thomas Brown is going to be able to snap his fingers and magically make another wide receiver that can get more separation than they have been. 
Yeah. And, and and I don't want us to put too much on Thomas Brown, where now we're expecting this offense to look completely different, even though we have the same personnel. D- do you think that Thomas Brown really has the potential to show off what he's actually capable of doing with this current offensive roster as is? You know, I actually do. Um and, and one of the reasons that I think that I'm as excited about Thomas Brown and about this switch being made, yeah, the personnel stays the same. Like, the, the players on the roster are the same. But the personnel in these plays does not have to stay the same. That's that's an, that's an aspect of being a offensive coordinator and play caller that's a little bit underestimated is that when we see Frank Reich and he's got Ian Thomas in on so many of these packages, or he talks about not knowing that Terrace Marshall Jr. wasn't playing at all in a game, or he talks about drawing up a play specifically for Adam Thielen, or we talk about Terrace Marshall Jr. getting nine receptions on 10 targets and going for like 48 yards or 56 yards, whatever it was, because all they're throwing are screen passes to Terrace Marshall Jr., although we saw what Terrace Marshall Jr. can do when he opens it up and he runs different kinds of routes and goes a little bit deep and you give him those jump ball opportunities. That's where I think that Thomas Brown has a instant ability to change the offense without having to change the players on the roster. Put in the correct personnel for the correct concepts. When we start running more 12 personnel, which I anticipate probably doing under Thomas Brown, um, you're going to see Hayden Hurst and Tommy Tremble, not just because Ian Thomas is on IR, but because Ian Thomas doesn't really do the things that Thomas Brown offensively would want him to do. You talk about being multiple, Cody. I heard you mention that earlier about the offense. That's one of the biggest aspects of the Sean McVay offense, right? And Thomas Brown did say that he's not coming here to be a clone of Sean McVay. He he, he learned from him. He's going to implement certain um, technique and stuff like that from his offensive training under him. But this is his offense, and he's a yeah. ground-driven kind of guy. I think you can expect to see less inside zone-type runs that Frank Reich, for some reason, fell in love with this year. And you can start seeing some variety in the run deployment. I think that you can start seeing Terrace Marshall Jr. being used in the way that Terrace Marshall Jr. is better suited for. You've got this Amir Smith Marcel kid, man. Like, like, yeah, no, look, I Terrace has Terrace has been very disappointing, yeah. but he also has been very underutilized, in my yeah. opinion. Man. We like, almost don't know. Have, I, and but that's what's so frustrating, man. How do you not know when you had these big plans of him being a major part of the offense? And now all of a sudden it's like, ah shit, I completely forgot he didn't play because he was hurt three games ago. There, it, there's just a lot of things that didn't make a lot of sense. And I think that Thomas Brown seems to be more structured, seems to be more detail-oriented, and that's where I think he can make an instant impact on this. And it's going to be pretty easy to contrast because of how bad we've looked and and the obvious deficiencies that we've felt on offense. Yeah, no, uh, and, and one of the things, <clears throat> David Newton even talked about it in that question uh, to Thomas Brown with regard to Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. He's struggling. Um we we've talked about it all, you know, all season, and and you know, obviously after the game on Sunday, it was a big part of the conversation that I would like to put out there, and you know, let people not burn the uh, burn the house down at this point in time. But you know, he is progressing and he's getting better. But there is that fear at this point in time that he was supposed to be the most ready out of yeah. all of them. Yeah. Um, is there any panic that Panthers fans should be having at this point in time, or is there really just a matter of 
We just needed to wait and let him progress at this point. Yeah, just for the simple fact of the word panic, I would say absolutely not. Just because I don't think it's anywhere near that level, like anywhere near that. I think it's a complete opposite. I think that what Bryce Young has shown while trying to be typecasted into something that he clearly isn't and being tasked with doing some things offensively that just don't suit him, that's where it's more frustrating, man, is that you've got somebody doing stuff that he has no business trying to do right out of the gates anyways because it's never going to be his bread and butter, right? Um, you talk about him progressing. He absolutely is progressing, man. And it's and it's getting to the point now, man, where the flashes are almost more regular than the disappointing plays that you've seen from him. I think he's got a proclivity, a proclivity to hold on to the ball a little bit too long still in the pocket. It was an issue that was talked about coming out of Alabama. He was a little bit over three seconds in the pocket before his release at Alabama. He's been better with that. I think he's right around like 2.6 or 2.8 seconds holding the ball before release. Part of that is because he has no damn choice because he has no protection and he's got to get rid of it or he's getting sacked within that amount of time. Um, but his ability to know where things are going to be before they're there. And you talk about anticipation. It's not just with the throws, but it is with his processing and things like that. You are starting to see that come together. I think everybody had some shock, man, after that first game in Atlanta where Jesse Bates tricked him twice. I mean, he he beat him one-on-one -on -one twice from the mental aspect of the game, right? I think that that shocked everyone because that's not what we expected. Trevor Lawrence was talked about as being plug and play the minute he came into the league he was going to be a top 12 quarterback in the league he ran into a buzzsaw of a garbage coach in urban meyer trying to implement this wonky scheme and not doing the things that he needed to be doing for trevor trevor gets an nfl coach and doug peterson which we all kind of hoped was going to be the case with reich didn't work out right now you know as far as we've seen but i think that it shows you that even the most ready even the most heralded quarterbacks there's an adjustment period, and there is the marriage of coach, scheme, and player that I think has to be right as well. I think we also use the terms generational talent, pro-ready, you know, just far too casually, and it almost uh, puts too much pressure and expectation. Cody, I want to – how do we share – I want to put this right up here. This is for – this is from quarterbacks of the future, Tyler Dunn wrote this and it's talking about Bryce Young. It's talking about uh, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, and really commending a lot of CJ Stroud's ability to play free a lot because of his offensive coordinator and what he's mm -hmm. been able to do for him. Uh, this is one passage related to how scheme has, you know, maybe been a problem for Young. It says one source indicated go long this week that some within the Panthers organization approach, approach Reich and the coaches about needing to innovate offensively to fully maximize young skill set. That's why some in the organization felt compelled to speak up. They want right to let young rip it further. The coaches play calling and start contrast to Slowick, Who's the guy from uh, the Houston, Texas has yeah. been basic Falcon safety. Jesse ba Jesse Bates picked off young twice in week one, telling, uh, telling us it was, the results of studying Reich's 2022 Colts film and 2020-2023 preseason film. Mm -hmm. When the same routes out of the same formations lined up, Bates knew he could jump it. The same uh, Jesse Bates, of course, that Stroud tricked in that critical drive in Atlanta. Last week down, in, uh, big, down big in Detroit, Young came alive. Caroline was forced to play with more tempo and Young started to find himself. For the quarterback's confidence alone, the Panthers should speed up this offense 
how much is um yeah and like trying to transition that statement because i've been trying to work that in number one yeah. and number two is like how do we pivot that to look is that is bryce doesn't look to be playing with confidence to me yeah. Or he wasn't. Maybe he wasn't. I think yeah, yeah he this wasn't. last yeah. week, I think Detroit, like you start to see some things come alive. He played yes. he played real he played well in uh against Miami, but he yeah. still had some it's not like he was perfect. Yeah. It's not like he uh he still it's it showed that maybe or there's some concerns that his size are limited. It's limiting in, mm-hmm. in some in some factions. But do you think have the Panthers done Bryce a disservice in a way did they put too much on his plate what could they have done better or is this just like look is sometimes it just takes weeks and weeks to get better and better in the NFL yeah so I tried my best there Tony to give you the segue to get that statement in there by bringing up Jesse Bates Thank so you. like I really did try man yeah um you, you teed it up for me <laughs> I, don't you, to, I don't know how to answer your pro that's a pro move I just don't know it's how to ask you a question man, you know <laughs> um But so the thing I'll say about the Jesse Bates thing, too, because I think that this is really interesting to point out, Stroud was remarkable in making that adjustment on his own, right? And his coaches had enough faith and trust in him to let him do that. And his teammates bought into him. That's an amazing thing, first of all. But earlier in that game, Jesse Bates should have had a pick on CJ Stroud on a route very similar, and he dropped it. (laughs) You know, like... That's it's unfortunate for us that Jesse Bates had really good hands in week one and that he let Strouds go because that would have honestly that would have probably set the Internet on fire. Everybody could have had, you know, pick pitchforks and torches and we all really could have just went at it like an anchorman when they all just fought to the death, basically. Um, But the thing with the coaching in Bryce Young and what Frank Reich's system kind of was doing with him, Frank Reich's always been this. Let me fall on the sword right? Let me take the responsibility. I really want to protect my guys because I believe in my guys so much that I don't want them catching the strays or them catching their critique. I think he was physically doing that with Bryce to an extent, man. And this is just my intuition. This is just my feeling on it because I don't see the plays. I don't know what they're actually calling, but it seemed to me that Bryce had almost been coached up of it's better to be conservative than it is to take risks this early in the season. Because if you don't get your confidence built up by seeing completions, no matter how rinky-dinky they are and no risk being taken, it's better for him to see the pass catches being made than it is for him to be taking risks and playing like himself, but with the obvious danger of throwing interceptions. When we talk about the end of that Detroit game, look at him kind of let some really risky passes start flying, man. I talk like that, that quick out that he threw to Jonathan Mingo when he was in the end zone, that could have went pick six easily. Yeah. But Bryce, Bryce flung that thing in there with the confidence of a legitimate star quarterback in the NFL, right? We see those throws made by the guys like Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes, Jalen Hurts even. we Joe Burrow, we see those made by those guys on a regular basis because they know they have to. You can't beat an NFL defense by only playing conservatively and making the passes you know you can complete. You got to give them reason to think that you can make every single throw out there on the field. We're starting to see that with Bryce these past couple of weeks, man. That touchdown throw he threw to Thielen, the um, first quarter throw that he threw the the inside dig to Thielen and the intermediate about like twenty yeah. yards deep. I mean, you see some deep. great throws. You see some great, great throws, throws, Ricky, but you also see some moments where it looks like he has struggles to to have 
good vision. And it's not that when I say vision, not like his capability Physically of him. seeing it. Yeah. It's just like well, when the pocket collapse gets closer to him, when it gets mm-hmm. closer to him, those guys get incrementally or, or substantially taller. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's just like, it's, it's just seems, it, are there any concerns? In fact, here, I'll tee this up and ask you, this is, let me see, is this is from the same story. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, this is from John Lucas, who used to be with the Saints. He says, here's what's scary as hell. He's small. At the NFL Combine, they go on to list out his you know, his size. He said this. So the guy goes and then talks about, he compliments Bryce. He said, what I loved about Bryce Young at Alabama was his ability to extend plays and play through contact. For a small guy, he played through contact well in college, and then he extended plays with his quickness and speed. And what I'm seeing right now is a guy's not able to do that because of his lack of size, his lack of play strength. He's getting swallowed up. His quickness and speed is good, but it's not elite. So he's getting run mm-hmm. down, which we have seen that. And you're yep. seeing a guy's physical skill set really, really negate his ability to consistently make these off-script plays. And I remember the first time watching Russell Wilson in Seattle, I remember going on, he says, to talk about Drew Brees. Uh, and he said those guys, they felt they were short, but they didn't feel small. Mm-hmm. And he says Bryce Young feels really small on NFL tape, and that's my biggest concern going forward. Um, I know we see. Look, is like, look, this is our guy. We all, we all see a lot of the things. There are a lot of the reasons he yeah. was drafted number one overall. We see those. We see that man, like that that one you're talking about, the Thielen early on in the Miami game. That's like the Bryce Young that we all want to see out of every single play. Right. But we have not been able to connect downfield um, in this offense at all. And now clearly some of this has to do with the guys that are running the routes. Clearly this has to do with the offensive line or the lack thereof. And I don't think Mm -hmm. it's just the interior. I think all, uh, all across the board, they've been playing terribly, but I also think that you can see, the challenges that Bryce Young's size presents in the NFL. Well, Antonio, yeah. if I may add on one bit to this question for Ricky to answer, I know there are a lot of, let's just say Bryce detractors that feel like in college coming into the NFL, they were afraid of his arm talent and his ability to drive the ball downfield. Yeah. And yes, Bryce has been lethal across the middle of the field. And I mm-hmm. love that about him. And he's been great in doing so. But mm-hmm. there's also been those deep passes that he has missed that yes. hasn't necessarily quelled the concerns of Absolutely. those detractors. What yeah. did you feel for Bryce going forward? And does he have the potential to kind of hush some of those naysayers? Yeah. So I think that it's really important to be honest about the evaluation of Bryce Young, right? Because I, I am a very big Bryce Young supporter and fan, and I still see so much of his game even in these five games that he's played I see so much of it that translates into being a big time NFL player but I see the same thing that you're saying about these deep passes I see the same thing as the limitations with his athleticism when he is being chased out of the pocket so here's here's what I always go back to with that right for me the magical part about Bryce Young wasn't when he was escaping east and west outside of the pocket and running away from defenders and scrambling for positive yardage where Bryce made his magic for me 
was manipulating inside the pocket, climbing when pressure was coming around those edges, climbing and moving up in the pocket, despite being five foot 10 and making plays within there, just, you know, out of structure, but still inside that pocket range, maybe right outside of it. He wasn't completely escaping and doing these Mike Vick type situations, right? Where he was going for 30 on the ground. That's not ever where he's going to make his bread. He was negotiating the pocket in a way. Yeah, right. But so the reason that the interior pressure is so crippling for somebody like Bryce maybe is because he doesn't have the athleticism to get on the outside and burn people. He's not Kyler Murray, right? He's not Josh Allen. He is not going to be able to outrun Miles Garrett. He's not going to be able to outrun Von Miller. Like that's not going to happen. What he can do is he can use his pocket presence and awareness to move within that pocket, but you can't climb if the first bit of pressure is coming directly at you, the only thing you can do at that point is move backwards. And unfortunately for us, what we have seen backwards and left for Iki Aquanu's side, that ain't a oh, good place to be running um, to either right not, now. That ain't, that ain't so safe like, land we, either. Really just, yeah, man, it's just like this really big like snowball effect of like everything bad that could have happened, having both guards out and then losing Brady immediately in week one. It's just a bad situation, man. And I really hope to see that when Corbett comes back, I hope to see that you do catch a little bit more of what Bryce is really good at doing, especially if Thomas Brown could implement some more play action, motion, bootleg, getting him out of that just standing still in the middle there and moving where that pocket is so that Bryce can manipulate that area without having to create a brand new throwing platform. Well, he's always out of the shotgun. I'd like to yep. see him out of under center more, to be honest. I think he, he hasn't struggled it. under center. It's a yeah. really weird thing that they've just moved completely away from that, especially on these like third and shorts. There's really no reason that they're, we're running all of these third and ones out of the pistol or the shotgun. Yeah, I really I, it drives me nuts. I don't think it's NFL football, but the other thing is, is, uh, what you're talking about is, yeah, and I'm I, I'm not the expert on these things, but I feel like I see he's, he's drifting backwards. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, it's like it's not dropping back. It's like this right. continued, uh, like just little inchy, 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 inchy back because you're just yeah. in your mind. You're knowing these mugs are coming. And he's, like he's had moving time, with anxiety. Yeah. yeah, he's had time, though, Ricky. So that's the other thing, though, is that are we are we there have been moments where certainly this offensive line has just complete failed. Yeah. But there have also been moments where Bryce has just struggled, whether yeah. it be holding on to the ball, making the connection. Yeah. Um, sometimes I almost think he goes through too many reads. Mm hmm. And like it's just like just throw with decide with decision. You know, if you looked yeah. at what Andy Dalton did, is Andy Dalton really didn't go through a bunch of reads. He threw the ball fifty eight times. He dropped back and he knew on this play, this coverage, I'm going here, and he just trusted it. How do we get Bryce playing with that confidence that he had in Alabama? Because that's what I want. I think this yeah. is just as much mental. And him having to deal with an adversity. If there is, and we've we heard from the players this week on this, this is good news. Is the players said if anybody that they have ever met in their life as a rookie can handle this adversity and this challenge, they it's believe Bryce. it's Bryce. How right. do we get Bryce cooking? So I think that goes back to what we talked about a little bit about what we've seen at the end of the Detroit game and what we saw in the Miami game, because you're exactly right about the decisiveness and not putting so much on the go through all of the progressions and find the perfect one 
But I think that a lot of that does, man. And again, this is strictly my speculation based on what you watch like on film or what you see in game. It just looks to me like he has been coached a certain way up to this point. And that has kind of handcuffed him in a way of letting loose what he intuitively wants to do. I get the feeling with Thomas Brown that he wants to restore that intuitiveness and let Bryce do what Bryce does. Now, that's not necessarily meaning the whole Russell Wilson let Russ cook thing where you right. take the ball out of your running back's hands and just let Russ right. sling moon balls 40 times a game. That ain't going to work for him either. Um, I think it's a legitimate concern about the deep passes so far because he has not connected with them. So I'm not going to just let that be, oh, no, man, there's no reason to talk about that. No, there's a legitimate reason to talk about that. He has been inaccurate on deep passes when he's throwing it to the far sideline. I think that he has come up short more often than you would like to see. I also think that a lot of that has to do with not stepping into the throws. Some of that is because he can't because of where the pressure is. And then another part of that is that Bryce has always had different kinds of mechanics, to be fair. Like, he is not the traditional mechanic mechanical quarterback he throws right? on his toes he throws on his tiptoes man a lot of his stuff is off platform and, and stuff like it's it's not your classic justin herbert drop back justin herbert also missed 22 percent of his open targets last night so i'm not that concerned with being a traditional mechanical quarterback i just want to see it work and i think that once we get bryce some confidence with those deep passes which if he didn't hit that one to chark in miami i think that he had chark there and he just missed him he overthrew that um if he can get one or two of those to fall and, and and complete those passes, I think you see him open it up a whole lot more, man. I I, I don't want to say he has self-doubt because I don't believe that with Bryce. I think that he's a mentally strong rhythm. dude. Yeah, it's rhythm, man. Honestly, that's the best word for it. And that is what... Some momentum, you know? Is that, that's another that's thing. that's what they Maybe want from Thomas. That yeah. timing in the spacing on the field, just like from a concept standpoint, man, there's just a few things that if they could get tightened up, We've seen some things get really close to working for this Panthers offense, like really close to working. The first four games we were in those games, we probably should have won those games. We're a matter of tweaking and correcting some of the operational and timing and spacing aspects of this offense from looking way better than what they have, in my opinion. Yeah. So, Richard, you've been fantastic tonight, man. You always are. Every time we have you on – the chat room rant and raves about how great your analysis <laughs> is. So thank you so much for your time tonight, Thanks man. Thanks for letting and, me come uh, on, man. Yeah, of course. You know, we, uh, you're a friend of C3. Uh, this would be my final question for you tonight, and it's kind of loaded, um, and it revolves around trades because okay. there have been lots of rumors about lots of different kinds of trades. First, it was that the Panthers were going to be in the market for another wide receiver. There was a lot of uh, comments and rumors and speculation about Jerry Judy. Then the whole Steve Smith thing happened. That bubbled up into its whole kind of deal. But now, even as much as an hour ago, there are rumors that the Baltimore Ravens might be interested in trading for Brian Burns for a first and a third round pick. So, Ricky, very simply put, my question to you is, what trades, if at all, makes sense for the Carolina Panthers this season before the trade deadline. Are you trying to get more help for Bryce this season, like a Jerry Judy, or are you trying to recruit that first round pick that we do not have in 2024? Yeah. So 
For me, man, I am on board getting Bryce Young help at any point of any season, period. There just has to be an appropriate cost to getting that help, to acquiring it. So for somebody like Jerry Judy, who I think is the reason he keeps popping up is because he's an attainable target, I think. I don't think that Denver loves him. He hasn't done anything that makes him, you know, off limits as far as talking about acquiring him. But I don't think that he's worth anything over a third. And I'm not even sure that he's worth a third at this point with the season that he's put together right now. If you can get Jerry Judy for a third or a fourth, though, right now, and you get him next year to kind of like do that tryout, you get him for the rest of this year with Thomas Brown taking over the play calling, implement him into this offensive system, let him get some familiarity. Yeah, I'm all on board with that because this this receivers group that we have right now is not the receiver group that is going to take Bryce to the next level. It just isn't. So you're going to have to put new talent into that group. Um, as far as the other trades, though, Jeremy Chin is the name that I think has to be moved. And that's because they're not using him. Evero yeah. spoke at the beginning of this season about how Chin was just this weapon and that they didn't want to talk about exactly how they were going to use him, but that he was going to be all over the place and he was going to be all over the field and being used everywhere. I don't think that they have any idea what to do with him other than cover up his coverage deficiencies. I think that they are terrified of having him out there in space and playing some of these receivers and being the last line of defense, so they don't put him out there. That was why he didn't play in Miami, and when he got into the game in Miami, he got a pass interference at the goal line. It's it's just evident at this point that they don't have use for him. I don't think you yield a great return for Jeremy Chin, but I think you can at least get a fourth or a fifth or something like that. Start building up some of that capital so that if you want to move back into the third or something like that, you put together some of these late rounds and you package back up. I'm not on board with getting rid of Brian Burns, man. I just think that he's a really, really good player. And that if you if you trade him away, you are going to immediately have to fill his position plus add somebody next to him. And we haven't been able to add anybody next to him for the entire time that he's been here outside of Hassan Reddick, who, look, that's a whole different ball game to talk about why he was gone, right? That's a whole other yeah. incompetence that we can do another 30-minute segment on. That's not what we're going to do here. But... But do I don't pay feel- Brian Burns. That's the, it's not, it's the, like, yes, that makes sense, right? Yeah. The idea of taking away the arguably the best player on the defense who has right. been the most consistent player on the defense over the past four or five years. At no a very one, premier position, right? That's, yeah, that's but no one's arguing part. with that. Like, no one yeah. thinks that that is a good idea to just like oh we can that actually is the argument for paying him as it's just a hard play position to To replace right but at the same time the money of what is going to be what was calling for 15 percent of the overall cap in that 28 30 million dollars and i know he's a very good player Mm -hmm. but i don't put he's not nick bosa to me sure and and I don't think that he thinks that he's Nick Bosa. I don't think that he's asking for the 35 mil a year. And also these numbers that we always go back and forth on, right? These are speculated numbers. None of this stuff is corroborated. Nobody has able to been been able to confirm a single one of them yet. But let's do it anyways. And let's say 28 to 30 is the range, right? If it's 28 to 30, people will point to it and they'll say, well, Max Crosby gets paid less and Max Crosby is a better player. That's entirely possible that that's true, that he's a better player all around than Brian Burns. I'm not going to even try to argue that because I think that they're both really good players and and you can have an opinion on one way or another on those two. 
Max is a animal that fights hard as hell out right now. And he's balling out right now. But here's where I think the difference is with that. I think that Max Crosby is being severely underpaid. And I think that the Raiders got an incredible deal on that. I don't think that that has to have a negative effect on Brian Burns negotiations by saying, well, look, Max is only getting paid this. I guarantee you, or not guarantee, but I would be surprised if Max Crosby did not renegotiate that deal either at the end of this or get an extension midway through next season. And if Brian signs for 28 a year, 29, let's just split it down the middle. In two or three years, if he's averaging 15 sacks a year, that 28 or 29 is going to look like the bargain that Max Crosby's doing but where, right now. Do you and, really and, see that happening, though? Because right do, now man. he's a live, he's not great on the run against the run. He's uh, never see, been. I, see, I disagree with that, man. I think that he's looked really good against the run the past few games. He's I, gotten I think better he's been really over solid. the. He's gotten better over the past few years, but I mean, maybe we have to go look. I've seen plays where he gets washed out. Yeah, uh, and he's, you know, and maybe he's just gassed at that point. But it's mm-hmm. not like, look, he really only has the speed and spin. That's what he's got, the speed and spin. He doesn't have the power. He I saw um, last game, He, I know that the left tackle for the Dolphins was their backup. Um, but right. I saw three or four instances on the All-22 because I've been watching it the past, you know, six, right. eight hours, something like that. Um, and I saw multiple instances of him using his long arm, just just strength move, not spin, not anything else, where he pushed that left tackle directly back. I'm talking like he slid him in the ground like he was a sled drill. And that was an NFL tackle. You call him a backup, whatever you want to. A lot of these guys play against backups. It's the NFL. People get hurt, right? The repertoire is building for him. The strength is there. Um, I I agree that I would love to see more production, but it's really hard to complain about the production out of him when he's the only one who is able to win one-on-one as a pass rusher on this team. If you had any kind of a threat, and we hope that Justice Houston was going to be a threat on the other side. If you I don't even know if he plays. Dude, he, like, plays I mean, he doesn't play well, man. Yeah, I mean, like, I've watched these games, and I couldn't even tell you what his number is yeah, and who he was on the field. Great. He looks he looks like an older guy, and I know that they say he's a rotational guy, but he's he's getting a bare amount of snaps, man. That's the other thing with Brian. Brian's responsibilities, dude, are so spread around the board right now on defense because he's one of the only healthy guys that is a high-level athlete on this defense that can do everything. They're asking him to do as much run defense and as much pass rushing and also coverage duty as he can possibly handle. And this is a dude who's dealing with an ankle injury and is probably fatigued out of his damn mind. You know, I'm not making excuses for him, but I think that it all is legitimate components to what maybe seems like him fading later down in games when also sure, if he gets sure. a sack. And if he gets a sack in the fourth quarter, people are like, yeah, but it didn't count. It didn't matter. Yeah. That's not entirely on him, though, when the offense allows 35 unanswered points without putting anything on the board. I mean, Brian is still playing. If he gets a sack, that that negates that whole he's not trying argument, right? Because he's sitting there on the bench not doing anything. I think for me is I've always said that Brian Burns is a very good player. Mm -hmm. But is he, uh, like, among the most elite in the NFL? And I would say I'm unconvinced. And I'm not trying to be mean about it. I'm also not even advocating that we get rid of, you know what I'm saying? Sure. In that case, it's just that there are, it seems like there are certain players in the league. It doesn't matter who they're playing, when they're playing, what the circumstances are. You feel their presence on the game week in, week out. And maybe I know that that's not as at defensive end 
it does, look is that if you have 12 sacks, you're showing up each week, you know, you're having yeah. a monster season. So it's not right. like every moment of every game, Brian Burns can be taken over, but there are moments where it's like, gosh, like where, like not where game? is he? Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. It's no, like, this is the moment we really need the freaking sledge, you know, this, this yes. big time play. So I guess my is do the Panthers should they pay him or should they trade him? I, I would pay him personally. Um, but I think that you're fair, man, in your assessment there of saying you think he's a really good player, you know that to be true, but you're still undecided on if he's on the elite tier. Not saying that he's like the best, but is he in that tier? I yeah. think that's fair to still have that question because of the fact that he's still progressing and hasn't hit one of those elite numbers yet. Totally fair. And I'm hoping that that is what would happen. The other thing is those big moments that we look for from him, man, we've got to be in tighter games where it matters. Last night we saw Micah Parsons didn't do shit the entire game, but then in the fourth quarter he got the very first Cowboys sack of the game when it mattered. But that's also because it was a 17-20 to 20 game. It was close. That's the only reason that it mattered. You know what I mean? Like if if they Brian were Burke down two scores, moments, though, they were down two scores. They were in passing situations in that Miami game. Um, but man, Tua gets the ball out so quick; it's just impossible to get to yeah. him. I, you yeah. know. But you're right. Is that is like how do you judge a player when nothing around him is any good and the and the team isn't even in a good competitive place? How can you ask him to be competitive and the whole team is uncompetitive? I'm not and mad at anybody with questions. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it is yeah. all fair for us to have questions and for everyone to have their own opinions. That's what makes it fun being a fan and talking about this kind of stuff. But I don't think that it's like, man, he's a bum. He doesn't show up. Get rid of him. True. I think that's oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Out. I don't think yeah. saying that too. And I think you kind of echoed it too. You mentioned it. Like Teron Armstead was out. So yeah. it was the backup tight end. And yet he right, didn't tackle. come away. Uh, yeah, t- uh, tackle. And yet mm-hmm. he didn't come away with a single sack. So he got really close on like three of them, but like Tony Brian Burns is the king of almost. But most fans that don't that aren't necessarily watching the all 22, they they just see zero tap zero sacks against a backup left tackle. And and they're like, Well, you know, especially when you compare them to like a Julius Peppers, right? And everybody kind of compares them to that because he's by far the best edge rusher in the history of the Carolina Panthers, yep. one of the best DNs of all time. My favorite uh, player of all time. So, so but when you do compare him to that high of a benchmark, a lot of people just don't necessarily see him affecting the game in yeah. the way that like a prime Peppers would, or even like a Miles Garrett of today, Crosby, yep. you know, some of the players that we've already named. And man, I'll tell you, I think that there's a reason for that, and it's because those guys are – absolute dominant no questions asked elite yeah. best of their position players right like it's not a it's not a slight to brian burns to say that he's not miles garrett there's nobody in the league that is miles garrett yeah, and miles garrett will reset the market again when he's available to get a like yeah. that's the point about the contract thing as fans let's don't get too bent out of shape about it like i, I don't get me wrong i don't want to overpay and, and have egg on our face when we give 30 million to a guy that ends up getting seven sacks for the rest of his career right that's not what you want but Burns also hasn't shown that that's his trajectory. Burns has shown that at the bare minimum, he's going to get close to those double-digit sacks, if not extend that into the mid-level of those, right? Get closer to push towards that 20 range if things continue to develop for him. I think you've got to get some support and, and surround him with some better pieces and 
honestly just man just yield a better product on both sides of the ball if you want to get the best out of any of your premier players kg seven threes in the chat says uh i think we get the most value we can out of burns right now what is so i know you're a fan of keeping burns and you know needing him on the team what is a deal though that would tempt you to move i mean if somebody came back and said again i'll give you two first round picks and like a third Oh, cherry yeah, topper you, on that's that. insane. Yeah, of course. That's insane, right? But that's but that's the thing, though, man. Is that they say that the Rams offer that, and we maybe you should have took it. I still don't know, though, man. Do you trust that this front office right now? If we don't know who is going to be the GM and we don't know who the coaches are going to be, do you trust them to fill those positions with somebody better than Brian Burns in the next two to four years? Because that's the window we're working with with Bryce Young's contract. Right now, we have the ability to pay. Brian Burns and we could pay Derek Brown with him and we could sign T Higgins. We can do all three of those things and still have the money to manipulate that cap and make moves. Look at what the new Orleans saints did for years. They're in cap hell. They're, they're in the negative. They're going to be riding the red for the rest of the decade, probably, but they competed and they signed the players that they wanted to. They kept players. They got free agents. We have a window with Bryce Young's rookie contract. That is when teams are aggressive. That is when they make their big moves. You cannot bring in a rookie again next year to play Brian Burns' position and expect him to do it. It's not going to work. So you're going to end up having a team that is even more reliant on the offense to put up massive numbers game in and game out, even against mediocre teams because you have zero pass rush. And if J.C. Horn can't stay healthy, you got zero in the secondary too. That is just a lot of pretty sure that is going to happen and it's not going to be good for Bryce, but to hell with it. Let's just see what we could do. Get him T Higgins. Maybe that'll put up 40 a game. You know, like, it's it's just, it's difficult for me to envision that as the proper way to build the team around. Tremendous stuff, Ricky. You've been so generous with your time. I want one of those damn signs. Where'd you get yeah, that? Man, my, wife, my wife got that for me, man. Um, she's a, she's in the home building business. And she said that they had a, a person come in and do lectures for him like twice a year. That would always have a neon sign like that. And she was like, look, I think that your name is awesome. The bow body thing is hilarious. She was like, let me get you a sign for it. Put it up behind you so you're not just sitting in our living room recording it while, you know, the city of Charlotte's out there fixing our water pipe bust. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. Uh, fantastic stuff. Ricky, man, you've been so generous with your time. Tell our listeners how they can find your work because they want to follow it. Find me on Cat Crave, man. I'm a contributor over there. Um, I'm doing two articles a week during the season. Um, major observations, lessons that the Panthers can learn from the week prior. Um, I am a co-host on the Kitty Lit podcast with my buddy Alex. Um, we got some things cooking during the bye week. We may or may not have a Panthers player coming on. We may or may not have some other people coming on. Um, but in the next 10 days, we, we could have a couple of really cool guests involved. Um, check us out on there at least one episode a week. Um, and then on Twitter, I'm Ricky Bobody, R-I-C-K-Y-B-O-B-O-D-D-Y. Fantastic stuff, man. Go and support our Panther brethren here as we continue to wade through this muck or this quicksand that we're trying to get out of. Hopefully, uh, it'll be sooner than later, man. Great stuff, Ricky, man. We'll catch up with you soon. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Ricky. All right. Tremendous stuff here, guys. Uh, let's go. Can we go to get some calls in? Yeah, absolutely, man. Why not? All right, let's do that. All right, hey, man, you already know yeah, what time yeah. it is. If you would like to have your voice be heard, hit up the cat calls line at 252-228-5098. Let your voice be heard. So what are your thoughts on cat calling? Yeah, it's pretty 
You shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think catcalling makes the person feel? It feels good, like... I know I called earlier. It's Lou from Fort Myers. I know I called earlier. This was from Sunday. My dad being in the hospital and everything. But, um. What's up, Lou? Like some motherfuckers in Charlotte be doing. Keep motherfucking pounding. I'm not going to let that shit get me down. Um, Hell yeah. Right now I'm driving back home. I had to leave them up here in Miami. Uh, my stepmother going to go pick them up. But, so, research analysis. While I was down there with my sign, yes, I did not make it into the stadium, but the handful, and I mean like a handful, probably like 10 Panthers fans I've seen, and most of them were just little kids. But the grown adults that I did see, they saw my sign for uh, Mr. Beast, yada, yada. I did DM you on Twitter, uh, the picture of my poster the night before. A lot of people are with me on getting Tepper out of here. And, y'all, <laughs> I said it in my previous call. It's up to us. Bullying works. We got to bully Mr. Tepper out of the fucking office. This is awesome. Hopefully, I can't do it the next game. But if there's someone that is listening to this podcast, hear my desperation cry. If you can make a poster and say, Mr. Beast, please buy the Panthers, i send you $100 cash out. I don't Holy care. Cow, I'll Get make that this poster. man gone. <laughs> I was going to be the one to do it. I couldn't do it. Maybe God he was lives in like, my town, hey, dude. you ain't supposed to be in the position. But hey, somebody can do it. I got to get Mr. Beast. All it takes is one person to light a spark and a whole forest on fire. Shout out to the people in California. But yeah, (laughs) it's all smiles. I know I came earlier moping and shit. Listen, it's all smiles. My posse's doing good. I I had um, had to to go get my car from the stadium and come back. Motherfucker eating a sandwich with the biggest smile on his face. So he's doing all right. Good to hear. Thank y'all so much for y'all prayers. If y'all did pray, if you didn't, oh well. If motherfuckers want to clown in the chat, I don't care. I, nah, I you are good. Man. Y'all bullying work, so I got this too. Thank you, man. Man, yeah. I'm glad to hear all that. Shout work. out to Lou. Keep pounding, um, man. <laughs> Muscles, yeah, marinara. Look, it shows that he goes. Who's this motherfucker, Mr. Beast? Mr. Beast is the world's biggest YouTuber. He just hit 200 million subscribers on YouTube, and he lives in Greenville, North Carolina, my town right here. And uh, he's, like, always in hiding, though. You know, so, but... Or in another country. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) I need to somehow get this Mr. Beast. I need that sign. I need a picture with him. If I can get that sign... Signed by Mr. Beast. Big things happening. Let's go to the next goal. Dude, ask him to come on the show. <laughs> hey, how's it going, guys? There you, you go. Coach Kurt. Um, Coach Kurt, what's I up? I just wanted to call and say, you know, 
obviously a broken record saying this, but Bryce is looking better. I mean, that's the most optimistic part of this team right now is he is gaining more confidence playing. Um, but what's killing us is these injuries, man. Like you look at the, like the, uh, the pregame and like all the questionable and all the outs and like we're just banged up. I mean, our whole entire defense is banged up and they're playing hurt or they're already out. And our offensive line is banged up or they're already out. And, you know, I feel like going in, into this bye week, like we have to make changes. We have to make changes during this bye week. You get a week to self-evaluate. And if you haven't been doing that for the past six weeks as an owner, a GM, and a coach, and you know what needs to be fixed and what our weaknesses are, such as wide receiver, our guard position, our cornerbacks, like, I feel like we do have to go out and, you know, sell out, sell the house for players like maybe T. Higgins and something like that. Or, like, our biggest thing is going to have to capitalize on this offseason. Obviously, depending on what moves we make, we may get more draft capital, but we got to go big in free agency. Like, getting a guy like Robert Hunt, the guard from Miami Dolphins, would be huge for this line or signing T or trading for T Higgins. I mean, I would hope we could do it without getting rid of more draft capital, but I doubt it, but getting a true number one receiver with Adam Thielen on this team would be huge for Bryce. I mean, if you want to start putting like positive looks into this fan base, you got to start making moves. Uh, that's somebody getting fired. We're making trades. Uh, just going crazy in free agency. I mean, I don't even think you'd pay Brian Burns. And when you don't do that, and to say if we trade Brian Burns, I mean, I don't think he should be expecting that much pay due to his performance. Like, he didn't even get a stack. He had zero pressure against the Dolphins. You know, so... I feel like if we don't do that, we have more uh, salary cap to put in more players and more elite talent to come onto this team. But, yeah, that's all I got to say, boys. Keep pounding, and I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for the call, man. I want us to go and get so many offensive linemen that we have a starting offensive lineman on our bench. Yeah, we have have (laughs) starters. Isn't that the only thing that's going to make us feel comfortable? And you know what? It might, um, it's kind of what you need in a way. Maybe you don't have to do that all through free agency, but you have to have a guy that can suffer that you get goes down, and the guy that comes in isn't a bum. You can also take some some positives, by the way. We talk about the guard situation. Austin Corbett is potentially coming back at the, you know, for the the game against Houston. So that could very well be extremely huge for Bryce Young. Uh, to have that uh, protection in the in the interior, uh, while you know we've lost a few pieces, that'll be something that'll be nice to bring that back. No. It, is it harder to find two serviceable offensive linemen or one serviceable quarterback? Ooh, that is a great question. Mm, you need both, I don't right? Oh man, I mean, yeah, you have to have you need at least two serviceable offensive linemen, no matter what position, and a serviceable quarterback. I'm not saying elite on any level. Which one's harder to put together? A line. I would almost say two? offensive linemen. 
Um, yeah, I think it is too, to be honest with you. You get two offensive linemen that are like, are, are guard, uh, are you talking about guards or just any offensive I'm talking line? About anybody on the offensive line, guard, center, tackle. Yeah. I feel like that might be more difficult because, I mean, when you look at the league right now, I mean, there's a lot of franchise quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of franchise quarterbacks. We're kind of in a boom right now, though. Yeah. There's not a lot of teams that don't have a starting quarterback, to be truly honest with you. Right. Well, that's what I mean. It's like we were one of those teams just five minutes ago. We may still be for all we know. Oh, right. Even if you remember the Cowboys of a couple of years ago, they had spent a lot of first round picks in a row at offensive and tackle, the Colts. guard. Yeah, the Colts did it. You have to be able to hit on those draft picks and you have to be able mm-hmm. to find guys in later rounds, right? I mean, we've all been. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and free agency in the later rounds of the draft. Uh, it, it, it's all of those things. I will say this, and I know Tony's heard me say this before. I feel like running backs are, I mean, pardon me, quarterbacks are coming into the NFL more prepared than they ever had because they're doing these quarterback camps from the time they're in middle school. They have coaches that are teaching them how to throw NFL routes. So, I mean, the preparedness is, I, I would say, a, a little more there. And I even the game's also been made of, easier. Too. Right, for the quarterback, true. Mm-hmm. But I also think that because it's such a pass-happy type of league now that the you have a lot of offensive linemen that are coming in the pipeline that are kind of more prepared than ever before too so no it's a it's a great question um hey mike Holland, are you as a panthers fan actually saying that there's more offensive linemen coming into the league prepared <laughs> well no they are they're just not coming we just miss on them yeah yeah, yeah we, don't, we don't ever draft those players just so we're clear uh mike hollinger with the five dollars says has anyone mentioned that we are scoring more than 17 points in a game now 17 points against us with matt rule was an automatic loss so there's that yeah man i guess you have to count all the blessings we're the highest scoring team in the nfc south we just have the worst records um do we want to segue that into the next thing we were these guys said you wanted to talk about tonight and that's the defense oh yeah yeah let's let's 100 do that uh let me find the slide where i put it on basically is this is every single team this year has had a 80 plus yard rusher against us i think Mm-hmm. I read Mike K said something like to that effect. My understanding with the, and again, I, I may have misheard the commentators or maybe somebody else was putting this out there. Like, aren't we on a historic pace to be one of the worst defenses in the entire like history of the NFL regarding run, uh, run defense and whatnot. Which is crazy. Because <laughs> I really we've had a yeah. shitty run defense for like five years now. So, um, we're, Points on average, we've given up 178 total points. We're currently ranked 30. Uh, our defense is ranked 31st. We're giving up 29.7 points a game, uh, 342 passing yards per game. Uh, this defense, you know, a lot of us have been saying for a while that the defense has been the better part of the football team. But now, I mean, we really need to start asking ourselves, is Jero Avero underperforming as a defensive coordinator, or is he also a victim to the same roster and the deficiencies that, you know, Frank Reich and Thomas Brown, they don't have great pieces on the offense. 
is it just a case that Scott Fitterer and the scouts for the Carolina Panthers have not put the proper talent around on this defense for it to be successful? No, it's one other thing. It's one other thing. It's injury. How can how can this defense look? Is this defense wasn't slated to be a top defense anyway, right? Okay. In fact, it overperformed in the first couple of weeks against Atlanta and the Saints, and maybe that's a lack of their offense rather than just the defense just performing. This defense, though, look, you're missing. Look, you knew the secondary was questionable as it was with Dante Jackson with like the kind of the back end guys behind Dante Jackson, CJ Henderson, all this, but you're missing JC Horn and Dante Jackson. Basically. Yeah. I like, tell me a starter on this team that was meant to start other than Brian, Brian Burns is paying hurt him and Thomas Brown shacks out. Um, Frankie Louvers dealing with a hip. Uh, JC Horn's gone forever. It feels like. Um, Xavier Woods is out. Uh, Von Bell is out. How can who? How if, if you want to talk about any pass, uh, not pass, but if you want to have any sympathy for what's going on on the offensive side of the ball with not having weapons, how can you not look at the defense and say, to be honest, they're playing with all second stringers, dude. They're playing yeah. with all guys that wouldn't be on other teams. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean. I think you raise a good point with the Jira uh, Evera thing there because it's the same kind of leash that we're talking about with Frank Reich. You're right. He did come into a system that was not players that he picked up or not players that he wanted. Then he's changing the entire scheme. Now, I'm not taking blame away from him, but, I mean, you got to take that in consideration. I just feel like, like I said, Carolina's talent is not there, but I think I had something relative to my tongue. I was going to say about Jira Evero, but I can't remember what it was now. But, and the three four is historically bad against runs anyway. That's how you beat it. Yeah, you know, is that's the crazy thing is teams haven't had to pass on us. You look at our secondary and you go, man, oh man, we're gonna eat those guys up. But then you go, we don't need to. Just hand it off. Oh, I remember I was gonna say, yeah. I mean, even somebody brought up in the chat, like on average, if you can score over seventeen points a game, I think is, is the line, or at least it was last year, it's probably gone up because teams are scoring more. If you can score some more than 17 points a game, you have a really highly, highly likelihood of uh, winning. Or maybe it's hold a team to under 17 points. No, it's hold it under. Yeah. And we've scored more than 17 points every game this year. But we've had but some over really, really bad Over the last three struggles. weeks. I mean, and and here, look. We had a defensive interception or interception or defensive touchdown last week. So, yeah. But, and, I mean, but we've also played, you got to think of the competition of over the last couple of weeks as the Panthers' defensive trajectory. Not only are we weathering these injuries, but you're going out and you're playing the top two of the top offenses in the league. Fair. Not, I mean, the top offense in Miami the week before in with Detroit. And then look, Minnesota ain't, ain't no slouch. Look, no, Minnesota has no. kept up before Justin Jefferson got hurt. They kept up with the Eagles. They kept, they weren't pulling out wins, but a lot of it was because their own defense couldn't do anything as well. The, they were able to pass the ball, and look, they didn't even have to pass the ball on us. Look, but Kirk oh, right. Kirk Cousins had 139 yards. But you know what? Is they it, it didn't matter when you're running 160 yards on it. And so I think well, it's the, this. The, the problem I have with that is that what's going to happen is between now and the end of the year, they're just going to talk about how good our pass defense is. You know, and and that's sort of like what they did. Yeah. Like we're the number two defense. Well, really, you're not. You just had a 
a really shitty team that they didn't even have to pass on you with, right? Um, like it's, I don't know. It's 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 tough because I don't I don't think that I I don't want to necessarily give a pass to this team because of it being backups because one of the players is somebody who's been habitually hurt, and at this point in time, we still don't know when he's coming back. You know, which is a concern to me. Like I, the fact that there's still no timeline on when he's going to be showing up. Is, I don't even expect him to play ever again. Let me I, ask all us. this. Let me ask all this. And I know it's easy to feel that. I know it's easy to feel that way. But what do you think is going to matter more? Austin Corbett's return to the offense or J.C. Horn's return to the defense? Austin Corbett. Yeah. I have to agree. I think Austin Corbett as well. Okay. I don't know, man. If if it's all look, I just hate even saying the damn. You're trying to bait me into the same word, the same thing we've been saying for the last two years now, Cody. And that's put that if, up. Jay, if he's on the field, he's the greatest fucking player in the world. Dude, he's he is good, man. I he know. Just it's just so sad. We don't there. ever get I know, that. Can I express my reasoning behind it too? It's exactly what we just talked about. If our run defense is as god awful as it is, JC Horn's production is going to be irrelevant. Like whether he's locking down receivers or not, it's not JC Horn that's going to be the difference maker here. I tell you one thing is JC Horn wouldn't have been able to stop them Tyreek Hill. That Miami offense has an it's, embarrassment of riches. It's crazy. Tyreek so Hill, Jalen Waddle. Raheem Mostert, now they got that A-chain dude. I know. There. What a cool and, name. And, dude, you know, I, we could have had him, by the way, instead of DJ Johnson. Yeah. That's yeah, always the I case, know. man. That's always, always. so yeah. easy to have that four every year. Picks too, after DJ Johnson, though. So we picked a guy who's not playing. They picked a guy who was on the trajectory of like being rookie of the year. And they already had a loaded offense. Yeah. And then they still fit that dude. Guess what? We all could have had CJ Stroud. Like, I mean, it's, this is a, this, it's a, it's like the idea that we're, we're looking at eight, but nobody thought he was going to go in there and blow it up. I mean, and again, I think there's also the other part of this is that how much of that is that, that, that offense is just so well designed that any running back is going to go in there and have success. All three of their running backs look like they would be a number one, like would be sought after in the off season. Like every single one of them, regardless of their yeah, like, all track stars. And most well, are 31. Right. And yeah. I think that that has so much more to do with the fact that McDaniels has put together a, he's, he's, where does he come from? Kyle Shanahan's coach. Who always runs, can run and right comes from the Mike Shanahan tree of genius running, running right. backs. And so the idea that, that it's, Again, I, I don't like this idea of constantly looking at the draft of, oh, see, this guy was here. We could have had him as opposed to uh, Johnson and what have Because, like, that's just such a – you could do that with every single I know you can do every draft, player, you know? but, like, the fact is, is we haven't – they hit on a player in the third or four, third round, and we traded up for a player who looks like he won't be on the roster next year. That's the point. It's not, I mean, but you're right. You can do that for a million different people. But his name is A-Chain, dude. Yeah. How fucking is, cool of a name that is. is. Imagine all the, the gimmicks we could have come up with on the C3 Panthers podcast for A-Chain. Be like, hey, check out our C3 A-Chains. Get your A-Chain today. Here, let's go to the next call. What's up, guys? This is Chase. 
Now, I live in Anderson. That's in South Carolina. I'm exactly in midpoint between Atlanta and Charlotte on, on, on the 85 barrel. So far as I've been, uh, as long as I've been watching the Panthers, this has been a, a Panthers uh, market for the television on the local channels here. Now, my worry is as long or has, as long as the Panthers has been bad now, and still are being bad and no really up look of getting, you know, competitive again anytime soon, well, at least this year or next year. My worry is that because the the, the, the market is going to change where they're going to stop showing the, the Panthers game and the Falcons uh, market is going to take over. Now, that was up because I'm sure as hell not paying uh, – Paying for NFL Sunday tickets. Anyways, so I know some rosters going to change between now and the end of the season. But if the season ended today, I want y'all, you guys, to look at the the amount of free agents. Um, not necessarily just who's going to be a free agent, but the amount of free agents after this year compared to what the roster, I mean, the uh, uh, salary cap, the cap is going to be, and. uh do what you guys think about that. Something to ponder or look at since it's a bye week or coming up on a bye week. And uh, another thing, speaking of being a bye week, I think I, I think most of us believe that uh, Colbert should be starting or should be back in the lineup when they uh, comes uh, week eight, their next game, which is going to help a lot. That and Brown taking over play call, and I think that's going to help. So we got two two nice things taken up. Uh, uh, looking up for the offense, and uh, for those that said that um, that Bryce Young can't can't throw a deep ball, go go look on YouTube his uh, film at uh, Alabama. There's a YouTube video of, of him throwing the ball from the 35. The, uh, it might have been 40 the 40 yard line on one side of the field and hitting Davison Williams in the bucket on the. Uh, Almost at the goal line for what a 55, 57 yard plus touchdown uh, bomb. He can do it. It's just I don't think our receivers can do it, or it's the play calling, or, he, or like Tony says, it's just confidence. I think he might be lacking confidence. I think I think this uh, um, bye week is coming at a good time, and I think we're gonna get some play. Uh, hopefully, some injured players, key injured players, back if they're not traded. All right, man. God, thanks for the call. We better not lose uh, you to a Falcons market. That would suck, man. Poor guy. Let's go to the next call. This is Chuck in Elizabeth City. What up, Chuck? Hey, guys. It's Chuck from Elizabeth City calling in. And uh, just really wanted to focus. You know, this week, what's the big news? Frank Reich has finally decided to turn the play calling duties over to Thomas Brown. And he... Bills Thomas Brown up the whole nine yards. You know, why the hell wasn't this done before? Why wasn't this done beginning of the year? Uh, Frank Wright, we know he's still in the heat from Tepper. Tepper's not happy. And I want to make a sidebar there. A lot of people are saying fire Tepper. People, y'all got to get real. Tepper owns a team. He's not going to fire himself. You're going to have to get over that. Um, but going back to Frank Wright, during the preseason, we saw vanilla offense. They looked terrible. And I was concerned. But what were we told? 
oh, we're not opening up the playbook. We don't want to show everything. So it kind of gets our anticipation and excitement. I haven't seen anything better, really, during the regular season. I do see improvement. I know our offensive line's had some injuries. I know we've lost some key players on defense. I just can't see how Scott Federer let us go into the season and just see what's like this. I don't know what he's seen. And I will put another sideboard here. I think Scott Federer has got to go. I'm not impressed. I'm not happy. I'm still pissed about the CMC trade. I know it's beating a dead horse. I didn't trade him to the 49ers. And then you pick these last picks in these rounds that were given. And if you don't utilize those picks, you waste. We've wasted a lot of talent. And then they make us look like we got egg on the face because look how many touchdowns he scored. Now, the one thing I will say about Thomas Brown coming to offense, I mean, the play calling. Frank Reich is in a no-win situation because if Thomas Brown fails and doesn't do well, it's going to make Frank Reich look like, you know, you keep throwing paint on the wall and it's not sticking. Looking terrible. But if Thomas Brown turns it around and we look good, then we're going to ask the question of, well, Frank Reich, what do we need you for? Or, Frank Reich, why didn't you do this earlier? And and my big takeaway from this is I know Tepper just can't fire coaches every year. We've got to get some stability. But Frank Reich can't win in this situation. And, I, guys, I'm at a loss to find out what we do. Let's give Thomas Brown a chance to see what we can do with it. He, it starts with the gym, and I'm bringing right to a point that he didn't uh, give the reins over earlier. Well, we got to do something, guys, because getting tired of this failed taste of losing. I agree with you, man. Here, yeah. let's keep rolling with these calls. Um, Brian Burns, this fucking guy. So this fucking guy, Brian Burns, fucking $30 million Jones, right? Right, this fucking guy. He's a $30 million, almost had him, right? I know he's a good player. The fucking guy is not elite. He's not worth that type of money. I don't give a shit what bullshit stats you put in front of me. This fucking guy is not worth that. He's not a game wrecker. He's not a game changer. He's a good player. But no, that's ridiculous, bro. You know, I see people on Twitter, oh, well, he, he tackled the running running back behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> Good. That's what you get paid for, bro. Like, are you fucking kidding me? And the Spider-Man gimmick. Yo, why do you fucking pick the weakest fucking superhero? Some douchebag. Oh, man, you might lose some people here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Huh? What a fucking jerk-off. What is this? <laughs> this is fucking bullshit. All right? We need somebody else to <laughs> shut the fuck up. <sighs> I picked a hell of a week to quit smoking, huh? All right, these fucking guys. All right, boys. You have a good fucking show. Keep pounding. Keep drinking, smoking, jerking. Keep doing whatever the fuck you're doing. Talk to you later. Um, Tuesday. Yo, yo, Spider Man has super strength, man. So we can't really, uh, can't really knock his weakness. Hey, uh, did say. you see Brian Burns dressed up? Why is Bri- I mean, not why Bryce Young? Why is Bri- Bryce Young dressed up as Spider Man? Did you guys see this on Twitter? What happened? You didn't see it? No. He kind of looks uh, like I, the Miles Morales from Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, I yeah. think they were doing like a Halloween thing for, um, yeah. it might have been some kids at Levine's Children's Hospital, maybe. Um, he does he pull look it off, exactly though. like, like Miles uh, Morales. Yeah, here, he could definitely pull it off. Hold on. Um, this is going to drive muscles insane. 
Here we go. Muscle says he shoots jizz out of his wrist, Greg. Whatever. Great power comes great responsibility. I mean, it just, he does look exactly like the guy. I mean, it's not a Miles Morales line, but okay. Give it to him. <laughs> no, it's a Peter Parker line, but it's okay. We'll give it to him. <laughs> is, um, oh, oh, okay. So Miles Morales is the other. All right, right. got it, right. got it. <laughs> um, um, hey, uh, uh, super chat from Kev with the one ninety nine. This is Pittman, Hollywood, Evans, Higgins, Ridley, tons of free agents. You can Second. leave Hollywood. At, um, why we want Mike Evans? He's old. I mean, I would want him like. I mean, him and ago. Adam Thielen together. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, we called Adam Thielen old, and he's really tearing it up. Mm-hmm. But they're old. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Evans doesn't have the speed anymore. Mm. He still has the ability to catch, but he doesn't have the speed anymore, and that's shown. Him getting Evans tracked down by the, uh, tight ends. Huh? I think I think Mike, Mike Evans would be a fantastic tight end. Oh, I agree. That would be good. You're right. Somebody, uh, muscles said, Oh, shoot, Bryce has got muscles now. <laughs> He's on a roll tonight. Brian Burns, this fucking oh, guy. Okay. Oh, this fucking guy. Like out Paul Cash Brothers, how y'all doing? It's G Cavassier. What up, G? Man, it's a bye week, so we don't play this weekend. We need a damn break after going 0 and 6. Hell yeah, we need a damn break. Hey, y'all, I was thinking of something, man. Our front office don't know what the hell they damn doing. So can we all agree on that shit? And I was just thinking one thing. Okay. Let's just say that, well, in reality, we had Hassan Reddick. I know y'all remember him. He was here with Carolina. We had Hassan Reddick. But just imagine if he would have signed with us for like, I don't know, three years or four years or whatever. We still would have had Hassan Reddick. And just imagine if we would have drafted Michael Parsons instead of damn, uh, instead yeah. of Horn. Cut Lord. Can you imagine that shit? Michael Parsons and goddamn motherfucking Reddit. Yeah. Oh my God. I was, ooh, I was thinking about that shit earlier. And I was like, let me yeah. talk to my podcast brothers about that. But our front office let him go. Just like they let Stefan Gilmore go. You know, he still could have been with us. Yeah, he's older or anything like that. But that dude was a damn good fucking corner. And I would have loved to see him and Horn and, you know, and Dante, you know what I'm saying? Playing or somewhere gotta be on the field, though. But uh, give me a thoughts on that, y'all. Michael Parsons and Hassan Reddick. Can you imagine that shit? The Panthers would, would have had that shit. Ooh, mm. keep pounding, y'all. Yeah, I, I do love the idea of that. Um, yeah. You know, as, if anything is this, is just because I try myself to avoid the, like CK was saying, the, you know, you could do that about anybody. You can go back in time. We could go, we could have had this. We could have had this. We could have had this, you know. I mean, it's tempting sometimes. But I think really the story here is just how good Michael Parsons became. It's so quickly. You know, there were questions about, we we looked at, we did a convince me to care on Michael Parsons, I think. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we and did. it was one of those things where it's like, you could see traits of this guy really being a, a good NFL player, but it wasn't right off the gate that he well, was going to be like the most elite defensive player in the league all of a sudden. Yeah. He's, and, 
And the Cowboys used him differently, too. I mean, he was an off-the-ball linebacker. We were looking for him to play uh, Mike's linebacker uh, in a 4-3. In, in a and that's what a lot of people envisioned him as. And he kind of had some gap awareness problems in that position. But he's also such an insane physical talent that they've just been using him literally everywhere on defense, on the edge, dropping back into coverage. Doing all those. Types. I mean, they're doing a football life about this guy already, or something like this. I mean, like there is, like he is, and maybe it's part because he's with the Cowboys, so he's got not only is he a yeah. star with the stars yeah. in the biggest stage impossible, but um, it's just I guess the kind of thing is is we were all we were shopping for an elite defensive player that year. You know, we were too scared to pull the trigger on Justin Fields, which. May it looks like now in retrospect being the right decision. Um, but JC Horn has just struggled, you know, it's like we just wanted the the football life to be written about JC Horn and Michael Parsons is it, you know, he's just out there slaying it. So, all right, let's go to the next goal. Yo, 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 what's up, C3? It's JJ. Hello, JJ. And uh, I had, I just wanted to, you know, give my thoughts. I didn't call in, uh, for the post game, but who cares? Um, I think the team obviously looked like it had a little more juice to start out the game. You know, it felt like a little more of the older years of the Panthers where it was just, we were just the inferior team, but we look like, like at least a solid or complimentary football team. We look like we had some kind of identity, at least from the start of the game. Because that feels like it's been our biggest issue with our start offensively to football games this season. I think that's easily our biggest issue. But I did want to honestly address something because this man Tony Dunn, this man Tony Dunn up here, he be up here lying, up here lying, saying he got a type, saying he got a type. But if I recall, just last year, you was out here sitting down and dirty, down and dirty, my guy, with this white, unathletic, bad bod, short, man, bro, you 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 was a baker bottom, but you be out <laughs> you got a fight. What, what we doing, Tony? You a freak? Oh, my God. I just... I had to ask, man. It's thirsty, what, man. What are we doing here, Tony? It's thirsty. Am I exposing the professor? No. I, need, I need an explanation, Tony. I'm not going to lie to you. You be saying you have a type, these big black men. <laughs> super tall. Yep. Crazy genetics and athletes. Yep, that's my type. But you was getting down and dirty for that, man, Baker. So Desperate I, times. I just had to put you on the Wow. Let me see what you got. It was a jump off. <laughs> but times call for desperate measures, right? Uh, look, as I never asked for the Carolina Panthers to trade for Baker Mayfield, but when we got him, I tried to find uh, reasons to believe that there could be some positive aspects to it. And I'm sure, look, is like uh, as the Bucks started out pretty well in their first few games, I'm sure there was a couple of Baker bottoms sprouting up in Tampa Bay. Um. Oh, yeah. But I didn't say draft him, you know, and say draft him. I also wanted us to trade for Lamar Jackson. True. 
You know, I and I wanted that. us to trade for Deshaun Watson, and I want us to trade mm-hmm. for Matthew Stafford, and I want us mm-hmm. to trade for Trevor Lawrence, and I want us to trade for like and I wanted and I want and you know what? And I'm still dying. Well, Quite actually, you know what? We got it. We got it. so we got my guy. Now I got my new little type. You know, now I now my new I, little type. <laughs> new little type. Trying something new. There you yeah. go. <laughs> right. Trying, Trying something, new. something new. Here, JJ wants a little more. Calling back again, JJ. Second call. Man, I don't, I don't even know. I just want to. I just want to say I think. Man, I, I I saw some earlier on Twitter. My fault. I I'm stuttering way too much. But I saw earlier on on Twitter today this meme that was like David Pepper slapping flex tape on the big old water jug. And it had Thomas Brown's face on it. And it was like, like the fix. But I was just like, it just left me thinking like more than just a meme. It was like, it feels like that's what we just keep doing with everything. Every off season. Oh, we suck. Boom, we're trading for Sam Darnold. Oh, we still suck without a quarterback. Boom, Baker Mayfield saved another garbage franchise. Uh, oh, we still suck. Boom, we fucking Hired all these big old names at coaching staff. Mm, some more flex tape, baby. As we keep just, and there's just more and more cracks and holes in the team, aka the water jug. And David Tepper just keeps mm, giving you another slap of that flex tape on that crack. And it just feels like everyone and their mama who's a fan of this team <coughs> is saying, bro. Take a sledgehammer and bust that bitch. We need to tear the whole <laughs> thing down and build it back up. And this man, David Tepper, keeps on, mm, slap that flex tape right on it. And I'm not here for it. Uh, let me know how y'all feel. Does it feel like that for y'all? I just saw that meme today, and I thought I should share my thoughts on it. I feel like that's honestly why I think David Tepper is the biggest problem more than any of the coaches we've had more than Scott Fitter. It just feels like all of the things that we we do or it just feels like a lot of the moves are just quick, supposed to be like microwavable, fixable moves and just one off season, how can we stop the dam from breaking down and letting all the water out? Let me know how y'all feel. I just, uh, as he brought up David Tepper, I had to go back to our caller from Fort, was it Fort Myers? Uh, that says Mr. Mr. Beast by the Panthers. Oh yeah. You know what is, uh, I got a better idea. Mr. Beast, your next, your biggest video of all time is when you buy the Carolina Panthers and give them to the C3 Panthers podcast. Mm, I like that. <laughs> You're probably right. That that'll give like, him most hits. Ever. He called us over to his house. He's like, "Hey, guy," because like one of my favorite videos of Mr. Beast was he got a pizza delivered, and he's like, "That pizza delivery guy shows up, and he's like, can you help me move this couch inside?'" And I was like, "Sure." You know, he puts the couch. In. He goes, "Now here's the here's the key to the house. It's yours." And he walks out and leaves the guy at his home. Man, it'd be like, what if you went to a Panthers game with Mr. Beast, and he was like, "Hey, by the way, here's your team." Dang, Mr. Beast challenge. Can you do it? I like that. Can you pull it off? The most expensive, biggest gift in the history of the internet to the C3 Panthers podcast. Split it four ways. Yeah. Or like 
or like would, however many super fan ways totally. we had, like, I will split it with every yeah. C3 super fan evenly. Right, there you go. Imagine what a dollar ninety nine could get you one day. <laughs> Next call. <laughs> What's up, C three? It's Anthony from Charlotte. Hope y'all boys are having a good Tuesday. What up, man? Um, you know, bye week this week. Kind of glad that um, we get a break from this atrocity. Atrocity. Let me say that. Um, so the big topic. I know you guys probably already discussed this before you went to the calls, but Thomas Brown. You know, um, was a tight ends coach last year. He was on the Super Bowl winning team in 2021 with the Rams. Um, you know, he knows the the McVay concepts. The like, you know, a lot of people around the league think really highly of him. I mean, he got interviewed as a head coach this off season by mo- more teams than even Frank Reich did. Okay, let's keep it a buck real quick. Let's see what this guy has. It can only go up from here. There's no possible way that it can be worse. I know in his presser today, he said, like, he's still going to integrate some of Frank Reich's plays, but he did say he's going to bring that McVay-style offense and McVay-style to this offense. He even said, like, we're going to see potentially more pre-snap motion, stuff like that. I mean, that's what this league is turning into. Like, I am really excited about this because Bryce Young is improving, slowly improving every week, and with him, his, his growth can come a lot faster with Thomas Brown. I honestly think that, you know, this was a Tepper move that Tepper said Frank Reich, uh, give over the play calling something needs to give. And he finally did. I don't think Frank Reich would have if we were like three and three or four and two, five and one. But in my opinion, listen, this is what, what I break this down to. If this offense sees a chunk of growth from week to week, then Frank Reich is going to be canned. And it's simply for this reason. David Tepper has the right to ask. Well, why why did we waste six fucking games dicking around and doing your playbook when it clearly wasn't working? Why didn't we have this young, innovative guy who wanted Bryce Young, by the way, who said in his pressure today, Bryce Young was his number one quarterback on the board when he was interviewing with Scott Fitter and Dan Morgan. So there's someone that. that wanted Bryce Young. Thank God. Even if that Frank Reich rumor is true or whatever the hell, at least he's the one that's going to be calling plays catered to what Bryce is. I think he's going to let open up the playbook for Bryce and let him, you know, sling it. But here's what I wanted to get back to. Tepper can ask, well, why, how come the six games we spent, you know, wasted almost half the season when you calling plays, you should have just had Thomas call them from the beginning. And then if that didn't work out, you could go back to you. So I think Frank's going to be gone no matter what. And then if it doesn't work out, Frank and everyone will still be gone no matter what. This is why I kind of think it's a win-win scenario. It can only go up from here. Anthony from Charlotte, keep motherfucking pounding. I got a part two coming. Look at now. this, a lot of energy. Keep rocking. Yeah. I like it, Anthony. I like What's the up, energy. But... It's oh, Anthony good. from Charlotte. Uh, yeah. Now get in there, Greg. I was saying I like the energy, but the only going up from here seems kind of I don't know, man. Like it. This comes down to the same question I was asking earlier. Like, how much is 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 he going to change the offense where we're going to be like, yeah, we were screwing up in the first six games. Like, do you think he's going to win think, five of the last 11 games? I don't know if it's going to translate to wins, Greg, but I do think there's an opportunity. You can see a freshness in this offense that okay. that really comes in this. And this is a, it's a great listen. Steve Logan, former East Carolina uh, head coach back when Jeff Blake and da- when David Garrard was here, when we beat uh, – 
famously, like one of the best games ever is that uh, Miami was number two in the country and they came to Greenville, North Carolina to play us, but Hurricane Floyd had hit and we got flooded. So we had to go play the number two country. I mean, the number two team in the country in NC State Stadium, uh, NC State Stadium. We come back in the second half and beat these guys. Our fans then go and tear down the goalposts, and we were never allowed back. Like, yeah, they like it took like twenty years for the for the uh, Wolfpack to even play us again or anything like that. Greatest game I've ever been to. Also, young and just you can go and tailgate at halftime at the NC State Stadium, which is wild. So you get to go into the game, partied up, and then go recharge at halftime and come back. It was a experience. Let's just say that. And it was a blur of happiness and cheering in that. Steve Logan, though, who is an offensive guru, he said this the other day on his radio show, and that is you can manufacture offense. You can find ways to attack teams, to get scheme players into positions that can generate offense. You might not all of a sudden be the greatest offense in the history of the world, but you can take mid-level players and find ways to get them to work. You can't do that on defense, he said. And so maybe, just maybe, in fact, that's what I'm hoping for, is the thing that Frank Rank, his offense has not done not even that it's been horrendous to me in so many ways. It's just that it's like, man, have we used our players in the wisest ways? And you can point to a screen pass to Ian Thomas. You can point to not knowing about if Terrace Marshall Jr. is a player or not. I think that this young, fresh look is going to bring in concepts to the NFL or, or implement some concepts that we're seeing The Dolphins do, the Lions do, the 49ers do. And what they do is they create opportunities with pre-snap motion, with pre-snap matchups, right? And they attack weaknesses of defenses rather than running plays against defenses. So I hope that's what the answer is. Let's go back to Anthony and Charlotte. Um, Just wanted to reiterate again what I said last call at the end. Yeah, so... So this team is in a position to only get better now, and I'm, and I'm happy. Like He didn't watch the Thomas defense, Brown, though. Again, he comes from the McVay <laughs> offense. I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see that someone has stepped up for Bryce Young and, and showed that he did. He does believe in him, and I think that's going to give Bryce Young a lot of confidence moving forward. Um, Yeah, so this call is mainly about trade talk aspect of this. Um, the bye week is, it, it, I mean, it's this week right now. You're probably going to hear more rumbling as the week goes on. Um, you know, there, there's probably going to be something going on. A lot of people that I've been listening to say we need to trade Brian Burns, do this, do that. Listen, I'm just going to reiterate what I said. The All-22 film does not lie. Like, I'm going to watch it this week, maybe even do it with Cody and the boys tomorrow. But... Brian Burns is not impactful. He hasn't been. And, you know, I know he had some decent run stuffing plays, but there is just a lot of lackluster effort. I'm in the mindset that, like Kevin said, we're 0-6. No first-round pick. We don't need to be extending players. We need to be rebuilding. 
the Dolphins was the blueprint for a lot of this. They traded their their most remaining valuable assets on the team, and then they traded back one and traded back into the first round those first round picks they got and acquired accumulated more assets, which allowed them to draft more players. And that's when you can build more offensive <laughs> talent around the Bryce Young. Listen, I'm sorry. Love it or hate it, kid's improving, and he's going to be here for at least three seasons, at least. I mean, shit, Zach Wilson's on still on the Jets, and it's his third season. Like, and I, he's not Zach Wilson. But you get my point. Let's see what he year. can do. Let's build around him. Like, this defense is the culprit already. They are already playing so ass. And Brian Burns and Derek Brown aren't showing me enough to say, like, yeah, they they are the ones only holding this defense together. We need to trade some players. I know we have injuries, but I'd rather see what we truly have in Bryce Young and worry about keeping or extending players. I'm sorry. We need to rebuild. And the last thing I'm going to say, wouldn't it be awesome if Thomas Brown shows what he's made of and then we can just promote him to head coach for the future? Because this is what Tepper has been looking for, an innovative offensive head coaching mind. Thomas Brown could be that for us. Let's cross our fingers and hope for the best. Anthony from Charlotte, keep motherfucking pounding, boys. Super excited. Anthony is super excited about Thomas Brown. Let's keep rocking. What up, C3? Stats here. What up, Stats? Uh, I sure hope Thomas Brown turns around some of this and uh, we can pull out some some wins. Um, But we'll see, I suppose. My bigger concern is if we do start to win what happens? Does Frank try to wiggle his way back into play calling a few weeks later? Hopefully not, I think. Uh, what if, what happens at the end of the season? I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but what happens at the end of the season? If he pulls out lots of wins, and then now what? I mean, are you trying to get rid of Frank and bring up uh, Thomas, the head coach? Are, you, are we going to let him slip through our fingers again, just like we did with Wilkes? And, you know, if he starts getting offers from other teams. So, I don't know. I, I'm i excited. At least, hopefully, we can see some wins. That's that's the main thing. Anyway, thanks. Keep on. All right, man. Let's keep uh, rocking and rolling. Rolling and – oh, we got to do our prize picks in a second. Hey, guys. It's me, Connor. Uh, and I just want to say I haven't been on here a lot. Connor, what's I just up, want bro? to say how relieved I am that Thomas Brown is calling the plays. I mean, I'm just so happy about that. Uh, this is like, I know we're own six, but I feel like that we still have a bit of room for improvement. <laughs> after this season. I feel like we might be able to uh, win maybe three or four games this year. I mean, I feel like, uh, I really feel like the play calling might uh, change a lot. But, um, yeah, guys, thank you for uh, thank you for having me uh, online, and I look forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Right on, man. Good, good, good stuff. Um, let's go. Let's do our prize picks, actually. Um, for you guys, prize picks is the number one place to play daily fantasy football sports. Uh, put your expertise, your knowledge, and your expertise to action using – the promo code C3, which will get you a 100% deposit bonus on your first sign-up, up to $100. Prize picks, the way it works, and let me just go ahead and share my screen here, um, is the way it works is you have to put in multiple entries for multiple teams. The minimum is two 
you have to ultimately make, uh, make an entry on a player from two different teams. And it could even be two different sports. This could be baseball and football. It could be, but you just can't go Bryce Young and Chuba Hubbard. Now you can do Bryce Young, Chuba Hubbard, and a player like Lamar Jackson or D- Derek Carr. So when you do that, the more entries you make that you get right and you're able to project their fantasy football score, the more money you make. Now you get paid real money doing this. And it is remarkably fun because who doesn't love fantasy football? Who doesn't love football? Who doesn't love making money? I love all those things, but it's not always easy, folks. It's not always easy, but you're an expert. You know more than Tony. That's what you tell me in the comments each and every week. So get on prize picks. Use the promo code C3. And because you mentioned my name, the C3, our name, our brand, they will match your first-time deposit up to $100 by 100%. Um, let me see. What do we got here that is worth looking at? Oh, I wonder if this. This is my season-long entry. I went less on Dak, 4,300 yards. I went less on Patrick Mahomes. That one's looking good. Right now, 4,800 yards. This one, actually, no, it's not. He's got 1,200 yards already. Jeez, he's he's having a down season, though. Yeah, I mean, even if this was an 18-game season, he's on on pace for 3,800. Oh, good, good. All right, so we'll see. Then that means that Justin Herbert's on pace for less than two. So we'll we'll be monitoring my all-season entries here. But, guys, we're going to just go, look, we don't have a Panthers game to look at. Are there any games on the schedule that peep out to us? Uh, We can look at the schedule just by looking at the quarterbacks. Derek Carr will be Jacksonville. um, Mm. Trevor Lawrence dealing with a knee injury. Jared Goff is going to be playing Baltimore. Uh, That's going to be a fun game. The Ravens and Detroit. Uh, Big game there. Uh, Really statement game for two teams that are are into it. Josh Dobbs. This is my guy right here. This is a secret sleeper right here. Yeah, Josh Dobbs against the Seattle defense with their with their secondary being intact again. um, Are they back? Yeah, yeah, they're they're Jamal Adams come back now. Uh, I don't know about Jamal. I think his uh, was a little bit more lingering, but um, at least the cornerbacks I know that they they've come back. Um, Jalen, oh Miami, this right here. What that's the one to go with. What a matchup. That would Is be that the one to go with. Total yards, rushing and pass, pass yards, pass yards. No, wow. they're like if here's the thing, he's going to have to pass the ball a lot because yep. he, there's they're going to be. I mean, I could be wrong, but the 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 Miami Dolphins are going to be playing from ahead on that one, in my opinion. Oh, how is Alvin Kamara not going to get 29 reception yards? Yeah, that's a lock for me. Four and. Oh, uh, look, this guy just puts up numbers each and every week. Maharaj St. Brown uh, looks great. Let's see, where are these? I want to look at this uh, offense game. Waddle, 62 and a half. Mm. Tyreek, 96 and a half. Tyreek, touchdown. 
I feel like that's a lock. Yeah, that's pretty much a lock. There you go. Like this. This is my entry for the week, guys. All right. That is prize picks. Promo code C3. Use it. They owe me some promo funds. I'd probably give them all to Cody. No, they owe both of us some promo funds. Okay. I'm needing some more too, man. (laughs) I'm going to have to message them shortly. All right. The numbers, well, the numbers 252-228-5098, but we are almost, I think, through the calls here. Getting close. Getting to the short end. Did we hear this call? Hey, guys. It's the growl that makes him howl, a.k.a. Joey the Blind Panther. Here to talk about Thomas Brown. I know everybody's talking about Thomas Brown. Not Charlie Brown, but Thomas Brown. Uh, I think it's a good decision. I think it needed to happen, and I think Frank Reich... um, I'm glad Frank Reich did this, and actually this makes me think higher of Frank Reich. Because here's the thing. Frank Reich had the balls and the wherewithal to admit, you know, that he was wrong. Most men don't have the balls to admit they're wrong. You know, he thought he could do it. Evidently, he's wrong because I see it from a mile away and I'm blind. So he did the right thing by giving the play calling over. I think it was his decision because... I think had it been David Tepper's decision, it would have happened. It would have happened in the middle of the week because David Tepper is very haphazard in the way he does things. Uh, I think that it was they knew they knew when they lost. They knew when we lost that game on Sunday that this was going to happen. They knew it. Um, and they, they, maybe Frank Reich was on the fence about it and reached out to David Tepper for advice or for something because he only reached out to Scott. What does Pitt he listen to in the week. background? Uh, and that brings me to him. Okay. <laughs> I think Scott Fitterer. What are you listening to, Joe? I'd rather, rather see him go in season because I don't want him involved in any more roster decisions. Any more person I don't want him doing any more tricks. I don't want him to do shit. Because every time he does something, it looks so good. It looks so awesome. It has everybody roll it has everybody going. And then when and then when you know and then when the national anthem finishes and the rest says good luck gentlemen, shit hits the fan. Okay? Scott Fitterer needs to go. The only problem with that is David Tepper is going to be the one to hire the GM. And we all know who David Tepper, Tepper likes to hire. He's just going to hire another yes man that appears more knowledgeable than Scott Fitterer. That's what he's going to do because he's David Tepper. Okay. So, so. I applaud Frank Wright for doing something that Matt Rule would have never had the balls or the wherewithal to do. And um, I think I think the team's going to be better for it. How much? I don't know, but he's got to go. Like serenade a girl after this. Oh, look, he's gonna here. Yeah, he's got to call back to get his growl in. Hey guys, it's the growl that makes him howl, aka Joey the Blind Panther. 
wanted to talk about something that was brought up on the podcast about uh, something that uh, about the coach about the um, how we have the bottom one we're the bottom six or seven talent in the league, yet we're scoring twelve, we're scoring twelve to thirteen. That's coaching. Our coaching staff is working. We just have shit players. <laughs> and whose fault is that? None other than Scott Fitter himself. We have bottom talent, and our coaching has still made us the top 13 team in the league, or top, just cracking the top 10 in the league. In the past uh, six games, we've scored 99 points. I calculated that all in my head. Mm. Okay, we've been beat 186 to 99. I mean, pretty shit numbers, but still, we've, been, we've scored 99 points with these bombs. Imagine if we had Turn down your radio, Joey. You know, what this offense could do, <laughs> even though I still think it's the right decision for Frank Reich to handle the play calling because I think he's just in over his head with that. And he has an easy out, and he's smart enough to take it, unlike Matt Rule, who would have probably fired Thomas Brown. But uh, I just wanted to talk about that. That gets all over me that we scored the most points in the NFC South and still lose. We are, we are one of the top, you know, we're one of the better scoring teams in the league, believe it or not, and still lose. I know it doesn't feel like it watching these games, but we're still one of, I mean, we've scored 10 points, 17 points, 27 points, uh, 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 13 points, and we've scored, um, 24 and 21. I mean, we've scored, uh, aside from the Falcons game, we've scored 13 to 27 points. So, just get, get to the, the ground, Joey. Scored by Andy Dalton, but, um, we, we have done more with our talent. It's just that our talent is so bad. So bad. Anyway, guys. James said if he's blind, how's he reading these stats? It's called Braille. Or uh, it's probably a computer program that reads it back to him. That's also how he knows that there's a female in the chat every time he's in the chat. Oh, yeah. And he that's why he's like He, uh, yeah, he's just prepping. Just wait. He loves women, man. Watch out. Uh, score update. Carolina Hurricanes are tied up with the San Jose Sharks. Right, 18 shots to five. Hurricanes coming off a yucky loss last night. Um, guys, there is a good team in North Carolina. It's Carolina Hurricanes. Um, let's go to the final call. Yo, yo. It was White Strong Espresso. Listen. You know, I guess, I guess there, he guess we can be excited about Thomas Brown, but, you know, I think the real question is, is Chuba starting or Miles Sanders? Cause if Miles Sanders starting, I don't think there's going to be much of a difference. You know, I think we're going to see a little bit of difference, but I, I'm, not, I'm not expecting the greatest show on turf to out of nowhere happen, you know? 
Yeah, the this whole sports fucking year's been disappointing. All my teams suck. You know, this Friday at work we're having Jersey Day, and I can't wear a fucking jersey. Like, well, I, I can't fit in it anymore. Shirt jersey, but I don't even know the fucking guy's name. His name is Tervania, I believe. Tara Minen. Tony, you should know that. Tara Vinen. Tara, yeah, I guess I Tara Minen's that. the They're liquor. Fucking good. You win games. But, uh, yeah. That's my thoughts. Peace. Um, you know, I did. You know, one of the things I don't. Uh, and I this is used to the Gamecocks always being terrible. Yeah, man. Look, this is we're right in our lane. We know exactly where we're at, folks. Um, DJ Shark can't get open. Right, he can't get off the line. He seems to be a poor. That's the guy we need to put in motion. Let him get some speed, and build up. Do you see Tyreek Hill coming out in motion? How fast he was before the play even got snapped. Shit was sickening, dude. Was sickening. All right, those are the calls. Uh, the final part of the show is we got through everything almost tonight. I think. Uh, let's hit the news, and uh, we'll ice some fools up and get out of here. What do you say? I'm, I'm down. down. There's not yeah, a lot of uh, news. It. It's mostly. Let me hit the bumper real quick. Oh, yeah. Actually, before we get in the news, can we do this? Can we uh, plug uh, some C3 gear? Man, you know what? Times are so tough in uh, Carolina football land. People ain't even buying. They ain't buying the mugs anymore. Look, get your coffee mug. Get your You Make Me Fucking Sick t-shirts. Uh, the real hot one right now is to shut the hell up. And also uh, the C3 Panthers podcast shirt. You can get all that at carolinacatchronicles.com. You just go to shop under the gear, gear like is in gear you wear. I think I put the direct link also in the show description. Uh, continue to help build the C3 brand by smashing the thumbs up button, subscribing. If you're listening on uh, YouTube right now, still check us out on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher. Um, not Stitcher anymore. They don't exist anymore. Spotify. Um, go listen to the go, go download the audio podcast. Give us a rating. Help people find us, man. Like that's a we got a community here that is that wants more people that needs more brethren. And there's a lot of people out there as soon as they find our community. And that means you guys in the chat, you guys in the comments, you listening, uh, they find, they find that immediate connection and that brotherhood, uh, that family connection that we got here that we need each other. So Panther fans out there needing, uh, our camaraderie, help them find us by sharing the show, rating it, subscribing, doing all that jazz in the news this week, as we pop around, uh, not much, not much to really talk about, um, a lot of injuries and things. This one part that stuck out to me because we talked about potential trades in the post game show. And I thought Adam Thielen would be a good fit in, uh, Philadelphia as the, what they're trying to do. And we said, man, wouldn't that be some cruel ass shit to Bryce Young is to take away his only toy. The little boy got in the league and you took away his only toy, Adam Thielen. But uh, the Eagles signed seven-time Pro Bowler 
wide receiver Julio Jones, who has done jack shit over the last four years in the NFL, from the Titans to the Bucks, he hasn't done anything. Um, I don't expect him to do a ton here, but maybe, maybe this is this clearly was showing. I guess I brought this up because it shows what I was thinking is that the Eagles could have benefited from another player in their receiver group. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's going to be a Hall of Famer one day, I imagine, right, Julio? Yeah, uh, he's a Hall of Famer that never I caught touchdowns. So. Yeah, I know, which is wild. Fucking Falcon. He should have been a Panther. <laughs> he would have fit <laughs> yeah. right in. How does he go from, like, being so dominant and so quickly, so quickly, becoming what he is now? Injury. He was yeah, injury I mean, riddled his last few years terribly. Every time he walked on the field, he'd play a few plays, he'd make a great play, and he'd get injured. Yeah. I mean, Father Time is undefeated, they say, yep. you know. He's played a long time. It, it's, I kind of want to say the same thing happening to DeAndre Hopkins right now. And it's it feels like Tennessee is kind of the place that, that great receivers go to die. <laughs> it does feel that way. <laughs> like, it's like if you get signed by Tennessee, you, you're basically just uh, you're, you're saying, okay, I'm done in the NFL. Let's uh, let's go here and die. All right. Uh, next up is, I think, injury. Let me see. I'll turn it. Oh, um, Justin Fields dislocated his thumb. And... Uh, CK, you're shaking your head. I guess he was important to your fantasy team. He was my fantasy team, yeah. He was my fantasy team. He was my fantasy team. Uh, Justin Fields might not. It looks like he won't. He's doubtful for week seven against the Raiders, uh, really. And it's his throwing hand. So that's the hard part is being able to clutch clutch the football. Um, If they did play him, they would just have to run him a lot, CK. So that would be good for you. Uh, Christian McCaffrey also injured in the 49ers game. Does anybody have any news to know what it is? It's an oblique injury. How does anybody know how serious day to day? Day to day. It could be, be, he could be ready this week. He could be gone for a month. They don't know. Wow. Oblique. What is that? Your abs. Yeah. Abs. Oh, is it the outside one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Man, uh, Christian McCaffrey, great abs. Now they're hurting. Uh, and, this one's wild. This one is, this is the one is like anytime we talk about the struggles of Bryce Young and maybe, you know, kind of throwing out the idea of these other things is the immediate concern with Anthony Richardson was would his style of play be able to hold up in the NFL. And there, and that kind of irony of it is, is that Bryce Young is the one that's still standing. And uh, Colts owner Jim Ursay says quarterback Anthony Richardson will probably have to have season-ending shoulder surgery. That sucks, man. Yeah, it sucks yeah. because the dude has, uh, like, he's had a different injury in every game he's played. Mm-hmm. It it makes me wonder because I'm looking at him playing. It's not like he's getting crushed. Like, he's taken a few good hits, but it's not like he's getting crushed. I think it's sadly that the guy may just be injury-prone. He may just be made And he class. struggled with injuries in college, I think, too. Yeah. So, in high school, like, so, yeah. Uh, that is the news around the league for right now. Um, and that's the C3 Panthers podcast. We got one last segment that the longest running segment on the longest running Panthers podcast is the ice up segment where we tell someone ice up, toughen up, get it together. Let's ice some fools up, Cody. Let's do it. Ice up, son. Ice up. 
This is where we tell someone to ice up, toughen up to get it together. Uh, guys, I need your help on the ice up picks. Um, who's out there ready to ice some fools up? Well, I got actually a pretty good one this week. I'm pretty proud of huh? it. Well, yeah, lead us I've off. got, a, I've got at least one. Go ahead, Greg. Lead us off. Okay. Uh, college game day. Uh, I'm not icing up college game day, but I don't know if any of y'all watched it last week. Uh, Desmond Howard was on it, and uh, it was Washington. I can't remember who they were playing. Um, <laughs> I know the quarterback for Washington's last name is Penix or Phoenix. It's spelled P E N I X. Yeah. Um, so this is Desmond Howard on college game day. Um, just, just you got to listen to the chant. Hold on. Let me, uh, I should just put this on. Uh, share audio. Here we go. Let's share this. Uh, did it not go up there? Oh, there it is. Okay. So listen to this chant. Adversity to get here. He's grateful to be Washington's quarterback. And they know that every time he takes the field, he's going to bring that big penis energy. He's going to bring that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's pull it down before we get there. Big Phoenix energy, baby. But did he say Phoenix? He wasn't he saying say... Phoenix. <laughs> Not by any means. Yeah, listen, right. listen to this again. He... That time he did. Yeah. No, that's a Second time he did. He, okay. uh, Phoenix, by the way, incredible talent. I, I like that dude. I, I like his style. And he's a lefty, too, man. That's pretty cool. Um, Mine is very short. Very sweet. Very to the point. Um, don't ride a bicycle on the fucking highway, bro. Mm, no. Oh, this is my type of ice up. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and there's a troop of them. It's not yeah. even just one. They all got hit. Play that again. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> that moaning afterwards is like. Yeah. So... Yeah. Oh, hang on. Yeah, you definitely don't ride your damn bike on the highway. Oh. Mm. Oh. Dude, so easily he could have went under that fucking truck and just there is been a moaning. And just yeah. been a dead man, dude. Oh uh, terrible. Yeah, I, I, I sup. Uh you play stupid games, you win stupid crashes. It's true. Tony, you do yours, brother. Uh I'm trying to figure it out right now. Well mine's a uh, downer. All right, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna all right, you go ahead. Do yours. Um, my ISA pick last week was um, regarding everything that happened in Israel and the Hamas um, terrorists. Um, I was icing them up. <clears throat> um, this week, I'm icing up a lot of the people who are out there in in pro-Hamas rallies um, and justifying the rape and murder of women and children and believing that it's an equivocal suffering to what has been widely misunderstood and most people don't really understand the entirety of the uh, true conflict in Israel. And and so a lot of these people are coming at this with this incredibly 
ignorant stance that Palestine and Hamas, what they're right in doing what they've done. Um, and then they're, they're just victims. They're just victims. If you're a victim, you're not GoProing the murder of women and children. Um, if you're a victim, you're not taking 200 civilians as hostages. Uh, and, and you're certainly not if you are a good moral com- country or a good moral governing body. You're not going to hide behind civilians in hospitals. Uh, you prevent your citizens from actually leaving, killing them on the way out. Um, this is anybody who is pro Hamas in this entire endeavor. I'm icing you up. Um, I understand there's nuances to this. I'm not advocating for the death of civilians or children on either side. But if you are somebody who looks at this and thinks, this is all right, you're an absolute fool. And I'm icing you up. And also I'm icing up anybody who doesn't believe in the uh, right to bear arms after seeing what happened to Israel, who is an unarmed country outside of their military and uh, their police. Um, my ice up. Amen, brother. Um, my ice up goes to. Might need to milk up on this one. Um, look at this. Oh, and I got something. Oh, I got a little treat that we're gonna experiment with throughout the season. Uh, the new world's hottest pepper, Pepper X, is three times oh, spicier. Oh yeah, I heard about this today. Then the ghost pepper. Um. Oh, there's a video. Hot ones, the guys that do, uh, you know, they ask the spicy questions and they eat spicy wings and shit. Uh, they just had the Ed Pepper X on the show. Yeah, uh, and they, they, yeah, yeah, and they, yeah, and they ate the pepper uh, live on the YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, it says it has no real throat burn like the Reaper, but that comes on later when you're in pain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> look, so uh, get ready to ice up. It it was there's going to be some idiot million Scoble units. I think it's the new world record. That's what I it heard. said. Pretty this insane. is that they stabilized the Pepper X. How about that? <laughs> it's like it's like volatile. Like it's like dynamite. Bro. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Uh, it says the Pepper X measures an average of two point six nine three million Scoville heat units. Yeah, a jalapeno is just two thousand to eight thousand. So it's only one million times hotter than a jalapeno pepper. <laughs> yeah, the That's guy insane. who invented it, I heard him say like he ate it, and for three hours it burned, and then he had cramps for an hour that were unbelievable, and then after that he was fine. Mug said, it said crazy. this, look, is that if you look up here, uh, where did I see it? It said stabilize. Somewhere I saw stabilize the pepper. I thought that was wild. Okay, uh, so you ice up there. The other thing I want to think about is this, is today I, uh, like when I'm, and I shouldn't tell you this, but like when I grade papers or something, I put like a movie on on the side or something like that. Um, I treated myself to watching an old favorite of mine, Grandma's Boy. Oh, mm. great movie. It's yeah. like one of my top. Yeah. <laughs> Real good um, so what I think I'm going to do for my own mental health this season uh, is after each loss, I'm going to watch the next day an old funny movie to put me in a good mood because this grandma boy thing, I was just, I was just, I was living it up, living it up. I actually watched it, mentioned of it yesterday and then finished it today. 
Uh, and I'll just leave you with this. Dude, I can't believe you came on my mom. <laughs> Shit's weak. Shit's weak. Shit's weak. Uh, that's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by Carolina. CatChronicles.com, where every Tuesday night we chat about the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your energy. We need your help. Lock arms with us throughout the rest of the season. Thank you to my brothers on this panel. Cody Lack. Yeah, man. Uh, every Friday at 7 p.m., Friday Free For All, the show for the fans, by the fans. Be a part of it and join the show via StreamYard. Every uh, 30 minutes after every game, uh, we'll be doing our post-game show off this week. Thank goodness. Uh, and then, yeah, find my written content on DraftTech.com, where I write for the Panthers, Texans, and now the Jaguars. I got wow. You're just expanding, expanding. CK, good hanging out with you, my man. It's always a good time. Happy to be here. And, uh, man, we'll, uh, we'll be here next week, I guess. At Codizzle underscore Allen and uh, the Bat Daddy. Um, Friday show coming back this Friday, man, we do make our return. You know, we were working the teacher schedule this year, you know, like, uh, off three months and then you know, hey, working yeah. the rest of the year. So <laughs> we work on the teacher schedule. Uh, yo, check it out. We're coming back strong though. We got Loki lower decks, Gen V, Ahsoka, uh, all kinds of stuff that we've missed while we were off and all kinds of new stuff coming out. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff we're talking about this week and to continue weeks going forward at 9 PM Eastern standard time on YouTube, geeks chasing squirrels across the multiverse. Cannot come on my dad. Take us out of here. (laughs) C3 Panther Nation. Until next time, keep pounding. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $129 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $249 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.